party started. This is Ghetto. Broadcasting live from the studios of AM570. It's on a website. This is FNA. Man, get out my way and watch out as I come. I am a god. Now what? Why don't you get out of that jumpsuit and let me smack that fat ass? <laughs> That's a scary crew. As far as the product goes. Uh, voice of a new generation, man. You guys are the young guys. Are really at the top of their games. The two of them had something in common. We bring you Radio Ecstasy. Oh, it's beautiful. Broadcasting live from the studios of AM570. FNA. FNA. Let it happen. This is the FNA Podcast. Welcome into the FNA Podcast on a Monday. I am not here to get my ass beat on Monday. I'm Adam Asland or Osland. Adam Asland. Whatever you want to call me, it doesn't matter. He's Kevin Figures with a cool jingle. Kevin Figures. 78 and Vermont. That's right. It it's is a, not funny. It, uh, no, it's oh, not it's funny. It's pretty funny. I mean, well, the, the story behind the backstory behind that jingle is, is hilarious. Hilarious, actually. Thank, so I, I guess I should thank Pat O'Brien for that jingle because if it wasn't for him. It never would have came to existence. One of the greatest days in the AM570 studios in the bullpen where Pat revealed the story of how deep he was, was deep was, in the hood. It was in this very studio, as a matter of fact, as uh, Petros and Matt were getting ready to do some crosstalk with uh, Steve Hartman and uh, Pat O'Brien. And Pat, the Pat O'Brien show featuring Steve Hartman? I think this was before that. I oh. think at that point it was still called the Loose Cannons before it became the Pat O'Brien show <laughs> with Steve Hartman in real tiny print, almost as small as Tim Cates' picture as part of the Raider broadcast. That's just not right. Yeah. Especially because Tim kind of has a big face, and it <laughs> takes up most of that picture, most of the square. There's no background around him. There's nothing. There's just his face. It's just like a little blob sitting there, basically, is what oh, you're trying to say. The little blob. <laughs> I like that. I'm big bomb. The wall. Yes, the wall, yes. Uh, Bur- all, all CIF, CIF at Burbank High School. So there yeah, you go. After we call him the blob, then we there give him his accolades. <laughs> <laughs> then we praise him. But it is a special Wednesday edition of the Monday edition, if that makes any sense, of the FNA podcast. So oh, did we- I say Monday coming in? Uh, whatever. It's our first show of the week. It happens. Don't worry. Where about am it. I? You're entering a world of pain. We'll, ca- we'll call it a world of pain Wednesday sure. again. Sure. I, I honestly thought it was Monday. It I don't happens. know where I am. It, it's been a, My schedule is our schedule. It's a disjointed week. Trust me. You know, there was a holiday weekend over this past weekend. So, you know, people went out of town, did some fun stuff. And you went to Vegas. I, I went to Tahoe. Right. Yeah. I jumped off a deck and I shouldn't have and I hurt my ankle. Oh, like <laughs> there was only three feet of water. <laughs> Were you sober when you did this? No. <laughs> okay. Oh, that I'm makes hurt. it better. That makes uh, that makes it more excusable as opposed to like, oh, we're doing this for jackass. <laughs> that did uh, dull some of my pain. No, I'm sure. But not the next day when I woke oh, up. Oh, you wake up. They say, why are you screaming? I got a Grant like, Hill ankle now. Yeah, it's like because my foot is pointing the opposite direction of where it's supposed to be. <laughs> now, why is the why is the front part of your foot pointed towards your calf? That doesn't look like that doesn't look like it feels that good. I should have judged the water a little bit better, mm. but I only go to Tahoe a couple times a year, and I forgot. You know, the lake has been drained a little bit or something. I don't know what's going on. Tahoe Tessie is drinking too much of it. I guess so. Jeez. That's the cryptid or cryptide of Lake Tahoe fame. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's our Loch Ness monster. Is it? Tahoe Tessie. That's what they tell the kids about. Tahoe Tessie. <laughs> and there's not even a black and white photo. Nothing. With... Not like a grainy photo of like the lot like Nessie. Yeah. But they do sell t-shirts, so oh. it works out for them. Yeah, of course. Hey, it's all about the bottom dollar. It's the most bootleg cryptide. <laughs> I think it's side. I want to say the most bootleg cryptide pod monster out sure, there. Sure, whatever. Like, what are you going to offend the the, the pod tide monster community by saying it wrong? I do find it interesting that the Rob Gronkowski does the Tide Pod commercials. They know there's a connection there. 
between him being a weirdo and the and the part the way the crazy partiers that you know yeah. put Tide Pods inside their drink or something. Bath salts are out. Yeah. That was so 2016. <laughs> it's all about Tide Pods getting messed up now. No Huff doubt. and glue's way out too. <laughs> <laughs> Sticking a glue stick up your bum, way out. Did people ever do that? I don't know. Just me. Sounds like something those guys in Jackass would have done, like jumping off of the top of a building in, th- in three feet of water. They did put a matchbox car up their ass. Maybe it was a Hot Wheels. I forget. Just so he could go into, I think they put it in a condom first, put some lube on it, and then shoved it up the guy's ass. I think it was Ryan, the one who died in the car wreck. Is that irony? Oh, I hope not. But he oh, goes see, in I- to get the x-ray, and the doctor's like, you got a, you got a car in your, in your bum. <laughs> They did it just for that reason, just to freak out the doctor. See, with those guys, I thought they would have actually taken, like, the actual track, put that in his ass cheek, and then actually rolled, shot the car into his ass from the track. <laughs> that seems more like a jackass-type move. The fact did, that it, it did a loop-de-loop in my yeah, butt. Exactly. Straight to it. The fact that they actually lubed it up inside of a condom, that's actually more delicate than I thought they would have done it. Very sanitary. Yeah, I don't have anything that exciting as far as breaking angles or getting injured. I did win some money in Vegas, so there's that. Hey, that's good. Yeah, hit up the sports book. I lost some money, so can I borrow some? No. Blackjack <laughs> was not good to me. We had a dealer that just wrecked everybody at the table. They brought in the cleaner or somebody like that. I think that was from Suicide Kings. Mm. Somebody to stop a hot player. I don't know who this dealer was. You just kept saying, wow, it's just my night. I don't know what the deal is. Sure it is. Everybody's losing hundreds of dollars. Ooh. One woman walked away and said, you made me lose $500. Hey, lady, it's gambling for a reason. Yeah, see, I generally stay away. I don't do slots. Sometimes I do the tables, but for the most part, I I, I stay away from that. The gambling I got into was the sports gambling. So I hit up the sports book okay. on Saturday. And Never tell me the odds. Give me a couple of college football uh, bets there. So, there you go. So I was good. UNLV end up covering, or what happened with that? I did game? not take. I did not take that one yet. That okay. game they did uh, cover by a point, I think, because my friend got screwed on that. Oh, he had a parlay, and the only thing he needed in the parlay was for USC to cover, and I think they were supposed to cover twenty three and a half, and they they won by twenty two. In gambling, point and a half got them. There's losers. And liars. Well, I guarantee it. What does our guy, what does our guy Danny B say every single morning when his show comes on Saturdays and I think some Sundays too? You're going to use that knife to stick your bookie right in the he, back. That's other, what he says. Other than that, <laughs> he's always said that parlays are for suckers. He says that all the time. I like that three-team, ten-point parlay mm. that you could get with the NFL, though. Oh, it's beautiful. Doesn't it's so it, tempting. Yeah, doesn't everybody? Except I would not do it the first weekend because nobody knows what's going to happen. I nobody say, knows what's going to happen after the first weekend in college or NFL. Remember a couple of years ago, Max Strong's last year with Texas, that game they had against Notre Dame? It was the, maybe one of the best games of the season, or it seemed like that, until we realized both those teams weren't that good. Yeah, that was a high scoring. Yeah, it was a Charlie Strong, and it was like 45 to 41 or something was the final might score. Have been it was overtime. It was a Monday night, I think it was, or Sunday night, I forget what it was. Prime yeah, time. It might have been the last game of, of that the first weekend. week. And that's, now, I will say opening weekend, at least to me, I think, especially when you have a lot of these SEC schools playing these directional schools, you can't clean up um, on these wider spread. This is why, like, Notre, Notre Dame and Michigan. That's one of the bets that I won because I, I can't say I knew. I figured that Notre Dame returning a lot of their players, especially offensively, and one bitch being back there, playing against Michigan. Were they uh, getting points in Notre Dame? Yeah, they were minus – I think it was a pick em, actually. No, it was a pick em. So, okay. I th- at the time I bet, I think Michigan was minus one. 
Yeah. So at that point, at that point, it's essentially a pick 'em. I had Auburn covering against Washington, as painful as that was for our for our friend Lincoln Kennedy and for the Pac-12. Yeah. But I just didn't see Washington be. And Washington shot themselves in their own foot a couple of times. They actually could have won that game. Jake Browning browned his pants again on a couple bad plays. I wouldn't say he played horribly, no. but he made two critical turnovers: the fumble in the red zone and that early interception mm-hmm. where he may have been trying to throw it out of bounds or make a play. I, you just can't have that in a tight game. And not against a defense that good too, and a team that good as Auburn, who I think it was a, I was a year ahead of when I, I think I. Said last year they were going to the college football playoff, and well, that didn't go well. Uh, so I cleaned up this there. Is the year. Yeah, no, I don't think this one. I don't think this is the year either. <laughs> uh, so we, uh, it is a Wednesday edition of the show, but kind of a Monday version edition of the show. I it thought it was Wednesday. Any legitimately, a world of pain. World regardless, of pain Wednesday. Regardless, I don't know what day it is. It's the first show of the week, which means we have geek news coming up at the back end of the show. Is it a, is it a weekday? Uh, <laughs> yes, in geek news. Yes, science. We have. A story that came out later last week we weren't able to get to, but it's all about the video game that this show supports the most. Kevin and I bonded over this game way back when we both played it a lot as kids. Way too much. It is one of the best beat 'em up games of all time. I think it probably, probably is, is the, the best, best. To be honest with you, at least on a console. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about it because there's a new sequel coming out for this game. Uh, I don't know. They haven't released a, a date on it yet. Maybe later this year, maybe early next year, but there was a demo out for it. So we'll talk about it and fill you in on everything that's happening with this game. So in Geek News, it's a video game fact of the week involving one of our favorite video games ever. I'm excited about that. Also excited about our guest coming up in segment number two. He's been on the show before. The owner, proprietor, writer, editor, it's his baby, RaidersBlog.com. Also a member of the Pro Football Writers Association of America. He is Christopher Hansen. I call him Chris Hansen. Mm-hmm. Not that Chris Hansen. No, not no, that. No. What are we investigating tonight? Not is, that guy? Does he have his, is this show still going on, Hansen versus Predator or whatever it was called? It was like on Hulu or something? I enjoyed it. Or streaming only, wasn't it? Was it was even more of an obscure channel than that. I think it really? was streaming only. Was it on? Did they bring back Versus just to put that show on it? Is that what it is? They brought back the Versus Network to put Chris Hansen's show on there. Yeah, yeah. Hansen versus the Predator. Yeah. And he got him. Another potential Predator. There you go. He got some of them. <laughs> no, this Christopher, We're safer. Yeah, this Christopher Hansen, been covering the Raiders for a long period of time. Adam's boy. Adam has known him for a long period of time as well. Uh, so he'll come on personal friend. and talk about the uh, big news that shook the NFL world over the weekend, you stupid bitches. A lot of people tweeted us over the weekend. Over the Couple weekend, did. you stupid bitch. A lot of stupid bitches tweeted us. No, I'm just kidding. But a lot of people knew well, that this would be a hot topic on our show. Not hot topic like where you get the choker mm-hmm. or anything like that, but... It's a big deal because Kevin's the Raiders fans. We talk a lot of Raiders here in Southern California. They're still the team of Southern California. Easily. And it involves one of the best players in the sport. And some will say potentially one of the best players in the history of the sport uh, when it's all said and done in his career. So we'll talk to Christopher Hansen about the trade of Khalil Mack in segment two. We're going to dive into it ourselves for a little bit right now. Let's go. Let's go time. Let's run. So many people woke up to, or if you're me, you actually fell asleep to the news. Again, I was in Vegas, okay, so don't judge me. Oh, you're doing it big. Fell asleep to the news. Oh, it was bad. Fall asleep next to anyone? Or? Uh, that particular night, no. Oh, not that particular, that particular night. night. no. Okay. Um, yeah. So you didn't wake up and let out a scream of no, horror? No, no. I didn't wake up with a, with a severed horse head next to me or wake up next to a wildebeest like, oh, my God, what did I do? <laughs> well, that's not the type of scream. <laughs> 
Bingo. Yes. A lot of Raiders fans were screaming like that when they heard that Khalil Mack was being traded. Finally, after kind of a standoff between him and the Raiders and mostly John Gruden, we've talked about it a little bit. We talked about Aaron Donald in depth. Yeah, mostly about Donald when it came to these contracts, uh, st- stalemates between him and the Rams before he signed his deal last week. Donald got paid. He's yep. getting $20 million a year. He's getting what is quarterback money at a defensive position. And we wondered, what's the value of these players? And how much impact can you have on that side of the ball? And John Gruden kind of laid the groundwork for what his philosophy was with building a defense by talking about this months ago where he said, we were a bad defense with him. Now, I would argue, what if you were historically bad, though, without him? Mm -hmm. What if you went from the 23rd-ranked defense to the 30th-ranked defense? Maybe he did make a difference from being a bottom third defense in the league the last four years to being the bottom of the league in defense. Maybe and, that was it. And so, and the argument is how much of a leap is that? I mean, so you can be the, you can be the worst, you can be one of the worst, um, or you can say there's a difference between being like, okay, you're a decent defense and you're a top three defense. So the gap between being the absolute worst, between being 31st and being 23rd, not as wide then from being, let's say, if you're starting out from 23rd and jumping all the way up to the top five. Sure. And does a defensive end make that much of a difference for you? I actually, and I, when I woke up or went to sleep, I should say, and then woke up and saw all the reaction afterwards, I, I, I kind of saw both sides uh, of the argument. I, I understood both sides of it. Yeah. I ultimately fell on the side of, well, at this point in time, is probably not the worst decision to trade him away if you're John Gruden and you feel that he's not the the ultimate piece that's going to put you over the top and make you a title contender this particular season. If you have to pay a guy $90 million right now, I would agree. The only thing I would have maybe done was play the long game a little bit more and try to see if he would end up coming to camp and you know see if he blinked first because he's under team control right now this season. He has already taken some big fines in the preseason, yeah. obviously. And he would have been under control for three more seasons because they could have franchised mm-hmm. him twice if I they just, wanted to. Because in this NFL, the ability to actually predict is crazy because we know since, I think, 2002, on average, there's about five new teams in the playoffs every year. People didn't expect the Raiders to go 12-4 and four. two years ago. When they did, they thought they were further behind in kind of their life cycle of a team that was rebuilding. Last year, they take a step back. Derek Carr takes a step back. Khalil Mack was still very good, wasn't mm-hmm. as good as he was in 2016 uh, when he was the defensive player of the year. But he's not just good rushing the passer. He is one of the best defensive players against the run. I just, I would caution everyone that says, well, we're definitely not going to be a contender this year. I don't remember that many people saying the Eagles were going to win the Super Bowl last year, let alone with a backup quarterback. Mm -hmm. It's the NFL. It's so damn difficult to predict. And when you have a player that young that you invested so much already in and that you cultivated and that seems to be a good team guy and maybe is the best player on your team, not the most important because that's going to end up being Derek Carr, whether or not you actually get further in the playoffs or into a Super Bowl or anything like that. But as you mentioned, putting you over the top. Oh, what if they actually get this defense going in the right direction and Khalil Mack takes them down to being the 12th best defense in the league instead of the 23rd best, which they were last year? Mm -hmm. 
That's significant. Maybe no. they're not quite a top 10 defense, but if their offense is as good as we think they can be, they don't need to be that good. In fact, I look this up, but over the last 12 years, the average amount of points it took to win the Super Bowl was 30. So we always say defense wins championships, and there are outliers like Seattle and the 49ers and the style of football that they played in the Denver Broncos within the last 10 years. But for the most part, because the rules favor the offenses, you have to put up a lot of points, too. In defenses are on their heels, having to react to everything as more rules get put against them to where the league obviously is slanted towards more scoring. So I, now with I don't that, know. It, it is a hard decision. Yeah, because with what I you... just I don't love it. But I don't hate it either. I'm right there with you. But that's and equivocating. And it sounds wanna... non-committal. It sounds Are we vanilla? Which is why I, I lean on the side of I'm not against it. I, I understand why they did it. Because to your point, taking that many points to be able to win the Super Bowl, I mean, you have to be able to score offensively. And Derek Carr, you know, surrounding him with guys like Amari Cooper, who's going to be up for a contract himself next year. And I'm sure that probably played a factor into having enough money. I think John Gruden places a lot more weight in being able to surround Derek Carr with a lot more weapons and have guys that can play or fill different roles on the defense than having to commit that much money, quarterback-type money, to a defensive end when you know the offense was not as good as it should have been last year, not as good as it could have been last year. Now, to the other side of that is, while there are a lot of points in the playoffs or a lot of points in Super Bowls to be able to get a victory, what was the play that won the Super Bowl last year? It was a strip sack mm -hmm. by the Eagles and one of their best pass rushers. Well, because nobody could stop the other team. <laughs> so, Even though they were two good defenses, yeah. And they had they had playmakers everywhere. They still are just such at such a disadvantage that if you're playing a great offense now, it seems like it always feels like who's going to get the first stop yeah. or who's going to make one play that could because in that Super Bowl it felt like whoever had the ball last. Right, it did, and it was basically. I understand coming from John Gruden's standpoint. You just gave Derek Carr a giant extension last season. This is before John got in, obviously. And now all of a sudden, because Aaron Donald signs this gargantuan, better-than-quarterback money contract for the Rams, who, by the way, can really afford to do it because their quarterback is and will be under a rookie contract for another three years, just like the Bears, by the way, who are able to sign mm -hmm. Khalil Mack to this contract. He'll be under his rookie scale for another four seasons, and that's something I think is not being talked about enough because now if you're the Raiders, you're resetting your own quarterback market by giving Khalil Mack a contract that's better than the contract you just gave to Derek Carr. Now, now, Derek Carr is a great guy, quality guy, locker room guy, leader as well. But who wants to stop his agent from saying, so you think this guy is more important than the guy you just tabbed as your franchise quarterback? Yeah. I think that puts you in a – I think that sets some dangerous precedent too. And I think that's part of what John, John Gruden's reasoning was within this. Well, Khalil's going to make 23 this year. Derek Carr is going to make 25, right? But Khalil would have more guaranteed money over the length of a contract. The one thing that I would point to and may makes me sway in favor of keeping Khalil Mack is this contract is the biggest contract this year. Two years from now, the next great defensive player is going to break this contract. Oh, and by the way, the salary cap is going to be up by, on average, about $10 million every season. Mm -hmm. So even though those two contracts this next season would take up, I think, 21% of the Raiders' uh, total uh, salary cap, it's going to be less and less as that salary cap goes up. Uh, I think Peter King crunched the numbers for, I forget the name of what he calls it. It's not Monday Morning Quarterback anymore for NBC. But he crunched the numbers, future projecting, to the years that both of those contracts would mature, Khalil Mack and Derek Carr. And he mm -hmm. says, if the cap continues to jump the way it has been, 
those guys will go from accounting for about 22% of the cap this year to like 10% right. by the time those contracts actually well, mature. They always look so huge and exorbitant at first. Whoever gets the latest, biggest deal, just like Indomitian Sue's felt, just like who was before that? I mean, Julius Pepper got some big money back in the day. Well, it was a while back. Nobody before Donald, the the market had not been reset by anybody since Sue. And that was what, four years ago when he signed that contract in Miami? Three years ago, I yeah. believe it was. So there really hadn't been anybody he's that was He's already on a new team. <laughs> he is. Uh, it's those, there hasn't been anybody of that ilk who's been up for that sort of contract since then. Yeah. I, I just, a player like that who, if he keeps going the way he has been, is going to be in the Hall of Fame. I know it's difficult to decide how much he's worth because the defense was still bad. But what if they were seven spots worse in defensive ratings? Mm-hmm. Then... You don't go 12 and 4 2 years ago. You have well, no chance. You'd have to put up even more points cuz they scored 26 points per game a couple years ago, just 18 points per game last year while giving up 23 points per game. So, is he somebody that can impact the game enough to make competent players next to him and elevate them to looking much better than they actually are? There was kind of that effect with Von Miller and that Broncos championship team, the Super Bowl winning team from a couple years ago where other guys started getting paid and going off to uh, Chicago and going off to Jacksonville right afterwards. There's a degree to that. I mean, Malik Jackson was a great player for Jacksonville last year, he's too. Good. He's kind of validating the, stacked defense. Yeah, he's validating the contract that was given to him, too. So I think there is a level up. And to your point of Mac being able to elevate the players around him, you know, they've been fairly disappointed with the way that Bruce Irvin overall has been performing when he was brought in to be the other edge rusher. Interior pass rush has been an issue for this team, which is why they went out and drafted two defensive tackles to improve their pass rush. So if the thought process is that someone like Mac elevates the games of the guys around him, it hasn't really shown itself on the stat sheet, I think will be their argument for that. Yeah. Because overall their defense would be a little bit better outside of, you know, they've been one of the worst teams. He's been great. Since he's been there, he's been. they've been one of the worst teams in the NFL at sacking the quarterback. Mm-hmm. People don't know that. They've been in the bottom third every year he's been there at getting to the quarterback as a team. Well, and I expected them to get better just by having Paul Gunther there, former defensive coordinator for the Bengals, did a good job, followed in the footsteps of Mike Zimmer, took over when he left and got his head coaching job with the Vikings. I think there was already room to grow with this team and some other additions. With Mac, though, obviously oh, so much they would have been better. How much and how much could that affect, you know, what if they're not the elite offense that a lot of people think they can be this season in John Gruden's first season back as the head coach? Then you have to have somebody else pick you up, and that might come down to the defense. I, I, like I, said, I don't love it. I don't hate it. I did see some stats on other big-time free agency moves from defensive players before that were sack artists back in the day, Reggie White, and this is him going to the Packers. The prior three years, the Packers were 19 and 29. The next three years, they were 29 and 19, went to an NFC championship. The next year, they win a Super Bowl, obviously. And that coincides, of course, with Brett Favre of course. going there. And Leroy Butler, there are other great players on that team, too. Kevin Green going to the Pittsburgh Steelers after the Rams. He gets there in 93. The prior three years, they were 27 and 21. The next three years with Pittsburgh, they were 32 and 16. They also had Greg Lloyd. They had some good defensive players. They mm-hmm. went to that Super Bowl against Dallas and lost. Julius right. Peppers. Oh, Neil O'Donnell. Going to the Chicago Bears after leaving my Panthers. 
Uh, he arrived in 2010. Prior three years, the Bears were 23 and 25. Next three years, 29 and 19. They go to an NFC Championship game. That was the game where Jay Cutler gets hurt, doesn't come back after halftime. They lose to Green Bay. So then, you have Brian Urlacher, Mike Brown. You have other uh, great defensive players sure. on that team, too. So I think we're seeing a bit of a pattern, too. Go on. J- Jared Allen comes to Minnesota mm-hmm. in 08, and they didn't have much of a pass rush. Mm-hmm. And he was really good for them. He was dominant. Them. I remember him. He was a Kansas City. Trust me, I remember yeah. Jared Allen. The prior three years, the Vikings were 23-25. and 25. Next three years, 28-20. and 20. Went to the NFC Championship game. Should have won that game. It wasn't all on Favre. I put it on Adrian Peterson. So... How you you know pick apart praise and disperse all of the uh, credit of how much those guys impacted those teams? That's difficult because you're talking about 56 players on a team. Yeah, and I think but those I de- do think they can have a oh, big impact. Sure, it's just the Raiders' defense may have been so ridiculously bad and devoid of talent that even with maybe the best pass rusher in the game, he still couldn't look like he was making as significant of an impact as maybe. Maybe he should have been with just some decent quality players around him. Yeah, and maybe that goes to what Gruden is saying. I'd rather open up all this money that I could be giving to this one guy and make us as a unit as good as I possibly can. And maybe I have enough confidence in my ability to turn this offense around to be a L.A. Ram type of offense like it was last season and moving forward. And maybe our defense doesn't need to have a dominant player because you have a lot of good players, young players across the board that we can use that money to build it up. It's not popular. And by the way, they traded. They got two first-round picks out of the deal. They traded away a second-round pick, which I'm not really they a did. big fan of. And I don't know people. A lot of people. That's people, the part that stinks. Uh, enough people aren't talking about that. No. You, why you have to give up a second-round pick now, to Chicago? I don't know. Two first-round picks from Chicago likely means two picks within the first 15 picks over would, the next two seasons. You would think because Unless as good Mitch as Trubisky makes a huge jump, right? Because as good as the Bears' defense was really good last year, and adding Mac is going to make them better. I still don't trust that offense to do a whole lot, to be honest with yeah. you, is going to be their problem. And they're not playing in the easiest division either with Green Bay and Minnesota sitting up there. And, and you know, and the Lions are never a cakewalk. So it's not a, it's not a given that the fact that they acquired Khalil Mack that all of a sudden they're going to make a giant leap and to be a postseason team. So for me, yeah. the Raiders themselves, and my expectations were not that high for them coming into this year with Khalil Mack. I thought there was somewhere between a 6-8 and eight win team, to be honest with you. Uh, I thought they'd finish third in the division. Um, so this we're probably looking at pro- possibly two fifteen, definitely two top twenty picks in this year's draft. So John says he yeah. wants to re- be able to rebuild the roster with the players he wants because I think it's clear as day at this point, just based off of the comments that he's been making in the media. Um, he and Reggie McKenzie were on two different sides, couldn't get their story right in determining. And it's a Reggie the- McKenzie draft pick, and that's a big feather in his cap right. to have somebody that good. You want to see him as a Hall of Famer with the Raiders. That entire draft was. Gabe Jackson, Derek Carr, and Khalil Mack were third, second, first-round picks in that order in that one draft. And honestly, if I'm going to be really blunt and fair, Reggie's been living off of that because his drafts before that weren't that great, yeah. and his drafts since then haven't been that great either. So DJ I- Hayden is still – Oh, yeah. Still something I can't forget. Gary and Conley, I can't grade yet. The guy was hurt all of last year, and he's looked great in camp, but the guy has to be able to stay on the field. But they've cut two second-round draft picks. They traded mm-hmm. Jihad Ward this offseason. They cut Obi Melifanu, who was their second-round pick last season. So a lot of his other picks have not been that great. Now, if you draft a franchise quarterback and a potential Hall of Fame defensive end, some will say, man, ain't that enough? Yeah. Um, but I, it does say something that you're that outside of those picks – 
you haven't really done a whole lot either. Now, I'm not saying that John Gruden is the greatest evaluator of talent either. I think that'll bore itself out the the way the the remainder of this season and see how that plays out right now. In his uh, 60, but there's a clear yeah. divide between Reggie McKenzie, who was already the incumbent GM, and John Gruden, who was given absolute power. And just to extend on that point of John Gruden as a talent evaluator, he had three Pro Bowlers out of 61 draft picks that he made with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He could never find a quarterback. We know that. But he didn't hit pretty much anywhere else. No doubt. You're they right. made the playoffs two more times after winning the Super Bowl. They didn't win a playoff game. And I do think coming into a new situation where he has a long-term contract would be really hard to get rid of him, even if there was some serious losing going on because right. you'd have to eat all that contract. It may happen if they're making enough money in Vegas, but sure. that's not that's not even uh, on Mark Davis's radar right now. But I'm sure he wants as much cap flexibility to reshape this team in the mold that he wants, and Khalil Mack was going to hurt him in that way. I understand that. Speaking, yes. You want to put your fingerprint on the team. Mm-hmm. You want to spread the talent around more. I just feel like it. it's so hard to find a player that good, mm-hmm. to your point of some guys resetting what money you can get at that position, well, he's one of them. He's a once-in-a-generation type talent that you had that I wanted to see him next to with a new defensive coordinator, with with new players around him. I wanted to give him a fair shot to really see what type of you know player he can be on a good defensive team, if he can be the difference maker. Maybe that is all the position is nowadays, is the cherry on top of the Sunday. It's turning your defense from very good to greatness if you can have that one elite pass rusher. We'll, we'll see. It, yeah. It's hard to place that much value on it, but again, with the salary cap going up, to me, that's where I'd lean towards keeping Mac because it's not going to look as dire as it does today as it will look a couple of years from now, and he's 27 throughout this entire season. Mm-hmm. So his next three to four years, if he stays healthy, they – Hypothetically, they could be his best four years as a pro. He's just entering his prime. And Gruden has cited using the money that and he, it looks like he's more thinking about next season or more recent seasons and even future projecting into the top into three years or four years from now, saying there are guys who are impending free agents coming up this year that I want to be able to use next year's cap money to be able to resign. Now, that's how he's spending it. Who those guys are outside of Amari Cooper – I can't really tell you. I don't know if there's any other difference maker that's up for a contract. Maybe he thinks Rodney Hudson, their center, is up for a contract, and he's a guy that's – and I'd be willing to extend him. He's one of the best centers in the entire league. And I think this also plays into the pattern of what I talked about earlier is about surrounding Derek Carr with as much as possible to make sure he gets off the ground. And, again, this is John Gruden, the offensive guru, to make sure that the side of the ball that he pays the most attention to is most taken care of. Yeah. Now, it doesn't mean he doesn't care about the defense – but I do think I, I do think it has something to do with the fact that he wants to be able to make sure that Derek Carr is given everything that is necessary to make sure that he is successful on that side of the ball. And ultimately, I've said this before, I think that's how John Gruden's going to be judged, whether or of not he, he can get the most out of Derek Carr. He has his quarterback. He knew what he was getting into coming back to the Raiders. Can he squeeze every ounce of talent out of Derek Carr, get him back to playing at an MVP level as he was a couple years ago, get him back on that path? At least, yeah. I mean, it's just, and it's maybe it's a bad example to use, but I just go back. I remember a couple of seasons ago, we referenced the twelve and four season, and Derek Carr got hurt, broke his leg against Indianapolis, and they won all those close games. Yeah, and they went to the postseason. They had to go to Houston. I think Houston won eight games or whatever. The the Raiders were a better team. Yeah, but 
They didn't have Derek Carr in that game. They had Connor Cook because Matt McGloin got injured two weeks before that against Denver. You know I like McGloin. That was the one ginger that I rooted for. The ginger gene is a curse. He was a good, scrappy little backup. I like, where do you go to now? That's all Jeff my, Garcia type. McGloin was in there. He was a backup for somebody in the preseason. I don't know if he's still hanging around right now or not. Sounds right. Um, but Khalil Mack played against Houston, and Derek Carr didn't. And the Raiders got their asses handed to him. Now, I don't know what the results would have been. I can't guess. But if I had to, if Khalil Mack was injured and didn't play in that game and Derek Carr was starting their quarterback, the Raiders probably win that game. Yeah. So, again, I'm not saying that Khalil Mack doesn't make a difference. I'm not saying he's not a phenomenal player. I'm not saying he's not a standout player. I'm saying committing that much money to a, play, to a single player on defense when their whole rest of your unit can really use a lot of help. I just I understand the thought process between, okay, it's not really financially feasible for us to pay so much money to a guy that it makes a difference, but not that much of a difference when our unit as a whole needs so much more help. And that's where the Raiders are coming from. Totally understand that. My only concern would be, okay, but now you have to evaluate who are those talented guys. Mm -hmm. It's great to have money. It's great to have draft picks. You have to hit with all that stuff now. Oh, trust me. And you already just hit with a guy who's a Hall of Famer. It's a little bit more in the hand is worth two in the bush, Mm -hmm. even though you're kind of saying those things are going to even out in some way or you could be better the uh, whole is greater than the sum of its parts type of defense that maybe he's trying to go for by not putting all that money into just one player. I think that's definitely what he thinks he's trying to go for. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it places the pressure squarely on his shoulders, yeah. and he knows it because you traded away a Hall of Famer. Okay, if you think that you can take this money that you were going to give to a once-in-a-generation type player and give it to four or five guys who you think makes the team as a whole better – Show us. Take those two number one picks and turn those into something. It's unrealistic to think that you're going to turn either of those into Mac because, again, I said right. he's a once-a-generation type of talent. But if you think you want to come in, there are 29 different players on this roster who were not Raiders last year. John Gruden is coming in. He's trying to put his personal yeah. stamp on this roster. He's revamped a lot. Um, and to the detriment of Reggie McKenzie, I guess. Um, but look, and to your point, he got a 10-year contract, so – that's There's the nobody issue. in the history of the sport is going to feel more secure than John Gruden. So it could be a problem because you've empowered this guy more so than anyone has ever been empowered before. Or you can say, well, the guy has enough comfort in his position to be able to do whatever he wants. He has enough rope to be able to hang himself the, in this situation. The problem is the fans are... They feel this sense of urgency because a couple years ago, first of all, there's been a ton of losing going on over the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. They have good memories of John Gruden for a reason. They've had one winning season since then. Well, they've had two. The the season they went to the Super Bowl, obviously John Gruden wasn't there, but they lost to him. So they thought they were close a couple years ago. And if John Gruden has this long-term plan where he's trying to build this team the right way and fans have tracked this team and felt they were on – a different plan, a fast pass to get back to the Super Bowl to get to that unfinished business that even John Gruden acknowledged in his press conference, that's where there's that conflict Mm -hmm. where two philosophies are not mixing. The fans think we're close to winning now. John Gruden may think something completely different, not that he's not going to try to win every game, but if he thinks their window isn't there yet and it's going to exceed the time that Khalil Mack would have been here anyways, then you might as well develop some new young talent on uh, obviously more cap-friendly contracts. I just I just feel that in the NFL, acting like you know where a team stands outside of where the Browns have been and where the Raiders have been for a while, 
and then maybe Detroit for a time there. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to project who's going to be good and who isn't. So yeah, I, mean, I would hold on to something that you know is true in Khalil Mack, but I don't hate it because they did get two first rounders, and I understand the money, uh, the money uh, conundrum when it comes to the salary cap and spreading that around. Hell, even with this, worst to first mantra, they could damn near win 13 games this year and come out of nowhere because, like you said, it happens all the time. It's, it's only 16 games in a season. Yeah. So you play well in a few fourth quarters, win some games maybe you shouldn't have like they did a couple years ago, especially that game game one against the Saints, yeah. Blackjack Del Rio. Right. I, a couple things go your way. A couple bounces of the ball can get you two more wins, and that can be enough to get into the playoffs. Although I don't know if any team in the history of the sport has been as lucky as the Raiders were in that one particular season. Yeah, I mean, right. I think they went nine and one in one possession games is what their record was. It was in or like even like games within five points or less, I think, to even narrow it down even more. Like it was insane. That's not going to happen this year? That's, That's not, not going to happen, happen most years for any team. <laughs> nine and one yeah. in one possession games? Now, some, in some ways, you make your own luck. Oh, sure. And they did go for it. And more than a few times. They sure. were gutsy, and they showed some big balls out there, and I applaud them for that. I've got balls of steel. But, yeah, you can't rely on that. That's not the norm. Uh, I, I just think when you're playing with 16 games and the difference between eight and ten wins – you know, it's minuscule, man. That, that's that's the difference between a mediocre season a or what could be perceived as a great year for right. a team, and it's just two and the, game difference. And the difference between those two games could be literally two plays. And <laughs> Vegas basically took the Raiders down a half game after yep. they traded Khalil Mack. They went from an over under of eight wins this year mm-hmm. to seven and a half. Right. So, is he worth half a win? Is he worth a win? Is he worth somewhere in there? Uh, I, Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I, it'll be interesting to see if the Chicago Bears all of a sudden became a top five defense this year. I think they were eighth. It's going to be a bad look anyway. Well, I think, and you look at their unit with Leonard Floyd, who was one of their top pick a couple of years ago, who was also an excellent pass rusher. If they can get Roquan Smith on the field and be healthy, people th- thought he be, might be the next Ray Lewis. Is who they're comparing him to. And again, as a unit, they were top ten last year already. So if he takes them from ten to five or to three. I don't know if it makes the Raiders look that much bad because, again, the Bears unit was already on the come and was already yeah, good. And I think they did get him partly because it's the identity of Chicago's franchise to have that a helps. great defense and to have a big-name star there like Khalil Mack, someone to take the mantle from Brian Urlacher. That's huge for that city. That's what that's what they're built upon. And I do think because, look, outside of you know the other teams, outside of Green Bay, the other teams who are rumored to be interested in him, the Jets. The Niners said there was a report the Niners made a big push to get him. Yeah, a lot of the word the the worst teams in the league, the Niners are, and I don't think the Niners are that great, but teams that again that are not paying quarterbacks a lot of franchise quarterback type of money. And again, like I said, Aaron Donald did that. J.J. Watt, who's not even on the same stratosphere as far as these contracts go, but for the longest time in Houston, you know they haven't had like a franchise quarterback to give a lot of money to, and at the moment they do. But again, rookie scale contract, mm-hmm. not making that much. Jared Goff here. Not making that much. Yeah. So I, I that's a factor when you can go out and over and pay these guys a gargantuan amount of money where you're not comp- compensating the quarterback and won't need to compensate the quarterback moving forward. Ideally, you create the biggest window by knowing when to let go of guys like the Patriots have. Now they went ten years without winning a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. But Bill Belichick's philosophy of I'd rather let a guy go a year too early than two years too late and paying him that money. 
and relying on draft picks and scheme, and they consistently have a pretty good defense. They weren't even, always great like it, they were early on. With even the, if they didn't have a standout player. I mean, they traded Chandler Jones the year after they went to the Super Bowl. And he's been great for Arizona. Right. But <laughs> how much has it affected them? Well, I mean, they, uh, yeah, they were like a top three defense last year, but obviously they didn't make the playoffs, and they need offense, and now they have Josh Rosen oh, I, there. Well, like how much did it affect the Patriots after that is what I meant. Sure. After trading away Chandler Jones. And, and there were a lot of people during that 10-year rut that they were in where they still made the playoffs. Yeah, so now, they were title game a couple of times. Yeah. the AFC West is down, and they were almost a shoe-in to get in outside of a couple of years with the New York Jets. Yeah, and the Dolphins jumped up once. It wasn't Mark Sanchez. It was about great defense and a right. running game. Right. <laughs> they gave him way too much credit. Yeah, but he like, made a few plays in the playoffs. That's why I hate when people say, oh, they didn't win the Super Bowl for 10 years. And, I mean, that does mean something. They were very competitive. But they didn't fall off the cliff. Right. They went like, what, they go like 13 straight years winning double-digit games or something? Yeah. Like, in, in this in this NFL? So they went from a dynasty to one of the best teams year in and year out. Which is still and difficult to do. And now they've won do. two more. Yeah. <laughs> in the so, last three I just, years. Like, people, and I get in, Rob Parker poo-poos that all the time, too. It's like, they didn't win a championship for 10 straight years they won 11 or more games for yeah. like 15 you straight put years yourself in position yeah. to have a chance to oh. win it all that's all you can hope for as a fan yeah and we've lamented about we, we you got into the phenomenal stats and i encourage you if you guys didn't listen to it go back to our super bowl preview mm-hmm. show where adam basically just tore to shreds tom brady's career and i'm not saying that like i mean as much you, as you can but it's accurate I mean, there was numbers and empirical data he used against this stuff comparing <sighs> it to some of the all-time greats. Alex Smith with a bigger yard per pass attempt yeah. uh, ratio than uh, than Tom Brady in the playoffs. But the constant has been Tom Brady, you know, being there throughout. The, the, how many interchangeable parts have they had, even offensively, but notably on the defense? How many yeah. guys have come through and retired and been traded and been cut? The constant has been Tom. They have you look, a machine with the system there with Tom, and I think especially it's Belichick. Yeah, and look at our, our – my point is even just with the franchise – look at Seattle. And this is something interesting, and I forget who said it the other day uh, because people are talking about the, the end of the Legion of Boom. And uh, I know Earl Thomas just reported to camp today. He's in his, the midst of his own contract he issue. He caved in. And that's what people were hoping. You play the long game with Khalil Mack. And you play chicken with him for a while, and hopefully he'll end up being there. I, I would have done that first. Uh, I would have too, unless the Raiders felt that the value for him was not going to be any higher, and they thought if he re- if maybe he got hurt this year, or he for some reason there he did have risks. A, he had a down year, and yeah. his value was lower, and you were never going to get the two first round picks that you were asking for this year. That's that always damn second. Though. That's always a factor. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing that sticks with me. <laughs> I would feel so much better to be honest with you about this trade if they didn't give up a second round pick. Yeah, and, and that has what, been glossed over. I don't know what the thinking was. You were saying about Seattle behind that they still have uh, so uh, that their defense was revamped. They got rid of Richard Sherman, right. obviously. Uh, but, Legion of Boom is over. Right, but that their defense is more of a is system dependent more so than being player dependent. We've kind of we kind of alluded to this when talking about when Richard Sherman was going back and forth with Josh Norman as far as who was the best corner or whatnot. This is a joke, right? It's like Norman's like, well, I follow the best guy left and all the, all over the field, and you just stay on the left side all damn yeah. day. And Patrick Peterson. And Peterson was in that too. I um, I I would always take the other guy because even though Sherman may be the best at no. guarding that inside slot position. I think a guy's more valuable if you can move him you around. You can move him left and right. And so, you know, I was, and Pete Carroll even said this as well. You know, nobody knew who Richard Sherman was. I mean, I knew who he was, but he played at Stanford. He was a guy that was a converted receiver. Didn't play mm-hmm. defensive back to his last couple of seasons or I season and a half. his rookie year with Seattle. We had him on the Petros and Money show, and he hung up like three times. 
trying to record this interview. Oh, no. <laughs> Mediocre. <laughs> People are- I was very upset with Richard Sherman. I was wondering. This is a joke, right? We had a scheduled we're interview. Joking. Sherman, by the way, he was the guy. Remember when USC lost to Stanford? Uh, the big 41. They were 41-point favorites or whatever. Hey, Booty had a hurt finger, right? John David Booty was quarterbacking. It was a 41-point spread. <laughs> I don't care if he didn't have a hand. They should have been able to beat Stanford. Well, now Seattle has a guy without a hand, and he's starting. <laughs> That's right. She, she, uh, Best Shaquem, story ever. Shaquem Eshkiel Griffin. They got both brothers. One's mm-hmm. going to start at corner. One might start at That's linebacker. That's the real system. Isn't it? So that there's, there's, so nobody knew who Bobby Wagner was or Richard Sherman was or who a lot of these guys were before the season. And se- Tony Dungy knows who Bobby Wagner was. Gave him an MVP vote back in 2015. I remember that. I remember kind of that. Insane, but no, I know what you mean. Uh, so we're, we're cultivating these guys to come back through the system, and Pete Carroll even said we're going to do the same thing. Now, Paul Gunther, you mentioned, comes from the Cincinnati Bengals, which is a where Mike Zimmer came from as well before he got the head coaching job in Minnesota. And Cincinnati, notoriously cheap throughout their history as well, mm-hmm. have run through how many players have they drafted and let go. And they would take chances on guys with yeah. character problems, obviously, who were talented. Yeah. Uh, I see Arden Key for the Raiders as a guy that you, know, you take a chance LSU, on right? in the draft. Yes. Yeah. Who was a top five uh, talent. Uh, but fell all the way to the fourth round because he had some off-field issues. Maybe Alden Smith's coming back to the Raiders to make up for Khalil Mack. Sometimes the Alden Smith has a lot more to worry about than, than coming after the – oh, even beyond that. I said, I'm the bomb. He's gotten himself into so many issues. He has the domestic yeah, violence he's thing. Idiot. He's going in. It's it's a, now Arden Key actually has the same body type as Alden, believe it or not. Yeah, he kind of looks like him. I think Tall, he even, long. I think he wears 99. Like if you didn't know any better, you would think if he you was squint. Alden. You thought he was Alden Smith. That's Alden Smith uh, for a second. <laughs> um, but my greater point was they still have Russell Wilson in Seattle. Right. If you have a franchise quarterback to build around, a lot of deficiencies around that can be covered up if your offense can still hum. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do think that's what John Gruden is trying to cultivate out there in Oakland. Can we build the system? With Paul Gunther and to bring over that defense that he had in Cincinnati, would it be great to have Khalil Mack at the price that we wanted to have him at? Yes. But if we can't have him at that or if we don't want to have him at that, let Paul build the system that has been so successful with so many different players in Cincinnati. Let me take over this offense and turn it into hopefully what it was when I before I left Oakland and when I made Rich Gannon the MVP. Hey, Paul I think had that's Gino what he's hoping Atkins, for. Though, at Cincinnati, he had one of the best defensive tackles. They think the that league. this kid, P.J. Hall, who they drafted out of Sam Houston State, can be the next Geno Atkins. Now, that's mm. what Paul said. That's high praise. I don't – I mean, he looked good in the preseason, but it's preseason. And they got uh, Maurice Hurst, who was another risk, who's – had a heart issue and he was taken away from the combine. He had a top 15 grade in the draft. He fell all the way to the fourth round, too. Now, the truth is you can have average quarterback play and still get to the playoffs in this league, but... If you have the other infrastructure around them, yes. Case Keenum gets the Vikings to the playoffs last year. Well, they had the best defense mm-hmm. in the league. So who was carrying who there? You know, there's a give and take. You can have an average quarterback. Lord knows John Gruden's had him before. Sure. Winning a Super Bowl with Brad Johnson if you're really well, yeah. good on the other side of the ball. Yeah, he had Hall of Famers at every level of that defense that year, and too. The question is, what's easier to do now in this league? It's having a great offense because defenses are handcuffed a little bit with the way they can play. Mm-hmm. They, can't, they can't bump, and I know the new hit rule uh, with lowering the helmet is supposed to be for offensive players, too, but you know damn well that they're going to call it more often than not when defenders are the offenders of yeah, that rule. Right. It's so. almost, yeah, it's tough. And I, like I said, it, this wasn't an easy one for me either. I hate the fact that Mac, Mac, I loved Mac. I wanted them to draft Khalil Mac before the draft even happened. So when they called his name, I was ecstatic. 
And the guy has turned into everything and more than I could have expected him when he came to the Raiders. You know who John Gruden thought they should have drafted? Johnny Manziel. (laughs) He was on the draft coverage that night and said the Raiders should have drafted Manziel instead of (laughs) of Khalil Mack. So maybe he hasn't forgotten about that. He doesn't value Mack like everyone else does. I don't know. I didn't remember that. But uh, uh, All right. A lot of people like Johnny Manziel back in the day, too. Sure. But, uh, Guy's an addict, unfortunately. He could have been all right in the NFL. Who knows? He might still have a shot. You know, I mean, now he didn't play that well in his CFL debut. I think he threw four interceptions in the first half. He'd yeah. been there for like a week, though, too. Give the guy a break. Now he has a concussion. And now he's, yeah, I'm sorry. He went Nate Peterman with it. He kind of did. <laughs> In a now, much worse league. Yeah, see? Speaking of Nate Peterman, see, Raider fans, it could be worse. You could be the Buffalo Bills, who were in the playoffs last year and <laughs> cut their quarterback loose, and now they're starting Nathan Peterman. Congratulations. And the Raiders got A.J. McCarron. <laughs> yeah, which I'm sure Brent Musburger is thrilled about. He tweeted about it. I know, I saw that. <laughs> I did see that. He was having some fun with it. He knows people didn't forget about that. I am very pleased with this selection. Good for him, yes. owning it. He knows he's a creepy old man, and he has no issues with it whatsoever. I own it, and I'm not even that old yet. I know. Scary part. <laughs> Coming so, up. I know, a guy that used to take down creepy old men, right? Well, with all that, it sounds like you've got a pretty big night planned, huh? Yeah, Chris Hansen. Yep, he's here. Oops, he's done it again. He's back. Our friend Chris Hansen coming back on the show, actually to talk Raiders, believe it or not. Oh. He can put on the NFL analyst Oh, good hat for him. Too. All right. I didn't know he was so versatile. Yeah. He can do that perverted justice thing that they do with mm-hmm. trapping guys at the house and tasing them. Yeah. And he can come on and talk about what happened with Khalil Mack. Is he going to offer us wine coolers, too? Wine coolers. And cookies. And, cookies and sometimes lemonade. He, he does it all, man. He's, <laughs> he's, he's very well-rounded with his entrapment. How does it taste? Not entrapment. Those guys deserved it. <laughs> All of them. Why don't you take a taste of the drink there? That and then some. <laughs> yeah. Has prison bars taste. All I right. think I saw a story where like, like Larry Nassar had to get moved to like special security because he kept getting harassed in jail. And I was like, well, isn't he supposed to? Shouldn't he be? Yeah. I mean, I think that's the least you can ask for considering all the crap that he did. That's what happens. No. Him and uh, Jared, too, the subway guy. Both of them got moved into solitary or... Special protection. Yeah, they don't like cops and they don't like pedophiles in jail. <laughs> right. So there's even more incentive not to do <laughs> any of those things. Corruption with cops or touching children. Or okay. if you if you do, well, uh, maybe I should say something. Oh, God. Eight-year-olds, dude. No, I'm just saying, like, are you going to mess with a kid? I mean, see if you can stand up for yourself when Big Bubba comes after you. What you want me to say? Oh, don't drop the soap. Yeah. I said don't drop the soap. <laughs> right. How do we get on this topic? Now, if you shoot yourself, that's not really a crime. I'm the only one in this room professional enough that I know of to carry this block for I'm the only one. No more. Is everybody all right? I don't Although know. We you had, will get fired. I don't know. We had audio of Braylon Edwards right there. That's cool. I, just, I didn't remember. <laughs> I didn't know they were being recorded when that happened. Never play with guns. See how accidents happen. <laughs> See how it happens. I just shot myself in front of this classroom. Okay, now I'll probably never be able to show guns again. But, Brian, but so bring that up let me bring this other one out here right quick. No, no. <laughs> down. Those kids were sharp. They picked up on it quick. This was like some giant assault rifle looking. Like this would take down Here's Dumbo. Here's the M16. This would take down Dumbo and his whole family <laughs> with one shot. It's the elephant gun. My God. All right. Uh, Christopher Hansen, RaidersBlog.com, joining us in the next segment to further break down this uh, Khalil Mack trade. Don't go anywhere. What are we investigating tonight? FNA Cotton, FNA. It is the FNA podcast. Kevin Figures and Adam Austin. We are investigating a blockbuster trade that happened over the weekend. 
for the Raiders and the Bears. And Adam, we have a friend of the show, special guest joining us to discuss it. Yeah, there was an incident in Northern California a few days ago that some Raider fans felt was inappropriate. In fact, many feel like they were violated by a 55-year-old man who acted like his intentions were good, that he wanted to go the whole way. But after John Gruden traded Khalil Mack, Raider Nation has been left wondering, What's next for the silver and black this year? So it's time to bring in a guest that will sit you down and get to the truth of the matter. It's Chris Stuffer Hansen of RaidersBlog.com fame, who's also a member of the Pro Football Writers of America. You need to be following at Chris Hansen NFL on Twitter because his on-point analysis and level-headedness will make you wish his last name was Davis. Chris, thanks for coming back on the FNA podcast. How are you? I'm happy to be here. How you guys doing? Chris, what was your initial thought when you heard the trade went down? Was it no way or no effing way? Ah, <laughs> uh, man, it was. I it was no effing way. I mean, the way that I thought this was going to go down was that it was going to be kind of Earl Thomas reported today to the Seahawks, despite being upset with his contract, and that's kind of how I thought this was going to go. I thought the Raiders wouldn't really want to pay the amount and if that was the case they would basically just wait wait Mac out and, and he would report because he's such a good team guy. I just didn't I just didn't see him sitting out multiple games. Uh you know, considering his relationship with Derek Carr and all that. Just didn't see it happening. And so when I heard it I was like, no effing way. How did the, how did they screw this up uh with their best player? And and uh, you know I'm still, you know, this many days later, I'm still just kind of sitting here in disbelief to be honest with you. Do you believe Gruden strictly did this because he doesn't think that Mac is or any defensive player was worth that money, or is it more rooted in the fact that he doesn't want any player on the roster making more than the franchise quarterback who just signed his big extension a year ago? You know, I think it's a bit of both. I think uh, Gruden is is basically one of these guys that, uh, you know, this this training camp, there's been a lot of talk about how Gruden will put, you know, Derek Carr up on the board and, uh, you know, grill him with questions and stuff. And that's not just, that's really not just to test Derek. He knows that Derek knows the answers to those questions. This is about setting his quarterback as the center of his team, letting everybody know that, you know, everything is going to revolve around the quarterback and that he's done that for a long time. But I think, you know, paying Mac more than, than Derek would be one of those things where it sends the wrong message. I think he thinks to his team. And then two, the second part of that is I just think that, when you consider how much Mac was looking for, I think Gruden at some point decided, hey, look, if you look around the league, how many really good pass rushers are there? There's, you know, a dozen or so. Um, there's a 12 more behind them that are pretty good. And, uh, you know, the, the defenses that are good, uh, it's not just because of a single pass rusher. It's usually because the defense is good. I mean, you've got good linebackers. You've got good secondary. I think he started thinking about that and, you know, started thinking, well, maybe one guy is is not the way to go. And, you know, sometimes those things get stuck in your head and then you think uh, maybe you believe that they're not going to report or whatever because, you know, it was a stare down for sure. And uh, you start getting in your head, well, maybe it would be better off. And, you know, I think kind of all that kind of culminated in the fact that he's like, you know what, let's let's try to get draft picks and just move on and not have this distraction and, and all those other factors. So really interesting. But at the same time, I look at it as you traded away your best player and at best you've got some ifs and maybes coming down the line in a few years. So that's a that's a tough pill to swallow if you're a Raider Nation, you know, part of the Raider Nation, but also if you're an Oakland Raiders fan because you're not going to see those draft picks really do anything in Oakland where you had maybe a year, two years of, of watching Mac in Oakland, which is, you know, just watching him do his thing. So I, I think that that's a little bit of a disappointment for the Raider Nation standpoint to 
staff to go into it. But, you know, thankfully, week one starts here in just a minute, and, uh, you know, that'll kind of make that distraction go away just a little bit. It's Raiders analyst Christopher Hansen. Follow him on Twitter at Chris Hansen NFL. Chris, so they have a new defensive coordinator, not just a new head coach. There's been an overhaul with this entire coaching regime. They haven't been good over the four years with Mac, and I'm sure obviously that played into Gruden's decision. He talked about it before things got as testy as they did and before Mac even left. Do they have a chance to be a higher-ranked defense this year somehow, some way, just with a different strategy and philosophy defensively, even with seemingly worse personnel? Uh, yeah, well, I would I would argue that the personnel is not worse overall. Obviously, it's definitely worse without Mac at that defensive end. But you look at what they did with uh, with uh, in the center of their defense, kind of with the defensive linemen. Uh, Markel Lee, the linebacker, has really stepped up. Everybody's been really pleased with him. The coaches have, have really talked him up. Uh, you know, they they did some things to bring in some different safeties, and they've got Conley back to the the corner, and they've really been been happy with the way he's performed. So. I'd say the personnel is better, and to be honest with you, there's, you can't go down a whole lot more than they went down last year. So uh, I think they have a chance to be better. I know that they're going to blitz more, and and uh, and I know that Gruden has basically turned his defensive coordinator loose and said, you know, do whatever you got to do. Don't be afraid to call it. So I think you're, you'll see the Raiders uh, take more chances, and uh, you know, some of that will mean that they, you know, they have more trouble in some cases. They're going to give up some big plays. But at the same time, I think uh, they're hoping that they'll also make more plays. So I think, you know, I think overall they have a chance to be ranked better, even without Mac. But that said, you'd be a lot better if you had Mac too. So, you know, that said, you know, yeah, they have a chance. But uh, but certainly that chance went down when, when Mac, you know, left. So that's kind of the way that that goes. Yeah, Chris, and within that discussion, Adam brought up the quote from Gruen earlier talking about how they weren't that great of a unit overall, even with Mac in the lineup. It's clear he believes – in a strength in numbers approach, I'd rather take all that money that we could have given to Khalil Mack and maybe spread that across to three or four guys who are solid players as opposed to giving it to one dominant player. Uh, are you a fan of that strategy, or are you a fan of having one dominant potential Hall of Fame type of player and compensating what uh, he feels he's worth? You know, I, I think, honestly, I think both strategies can be effective. Um, you know, a, a great player really lifts all the players around him. I mean, when you think about Mac drawing double and triple teams, that makes it so much easier for the players around him. But if you have solid players across the line, now you kind of have to make a choice on who to double team. And if you choose the wrong guy, uh, then that could that backfire on you. So all those things, at least from a defensive line standpoint, both strategies can be effective. I just think, uh, you know, obviously I, I don't think, I don't necessarily think it was an either or situation. I think they could have still brought in some solid players with Mac. The cap keeps going up. Um, I don't think Mac, Mac would have really hamstrung that, them that much. So I, I think that's one of those kind of maybe false equivalencies where you just, you know, yeah, it, which strategy is best? Well, why not a little bit of combo of both? I think that you can you can achieve that. And I know that, you know, maybe the coaches and the Raiders may disagree with that, but as a fan and as a watcher of this situation, I, I feel like that was achievable. So, Chris, a lot of fans are upset because they feel like this is an indicator that the Raiders can't contend this year or in the near future. Is that how you interpreted this? Is this John Gruden throwing the white flag and saying we're not going to be good enough this year or maybe the next two, so why pay Mac all that money? Um, you know, I think it was uh, – I think it's a little bit of that. I think Gruden is basically saying this roster needs to get better and I need more resources to make it better. And uh, and that's part of, you know, and you saw those resources being draft picks. And 
he had a chance to get some premium draft picks by trading Mac. So I think from that perspective, he's not necessarily saying we're not going to go out and try to, to make the playoffs, but I think he might be saying this team is not as good as I want it to be. And, uh, and you know, that's a tough pill to swallow as well as a fan um, when you consider, you know, the high hopes going into last year after the year, you know, the, the previous year. And, um, you know, th- that's just where they're at. But at least I, I would say that I'd rather Gruden be realistic about where the team's at. Um, so from that perspective, I guess I can't fault John Gruden. Now, it's also a tough pill to swallow for Reggie McKenzie, who built that roster. And I know John said to the media that he said the media is trying to drive a divide between himself and Reggie and that everything the Raiders do is a collaboration. And then I look at this trade and Reggie says, well, it had nothing to do with money. And John says it has everything to do with money. Uh, you have a couple of quotes where John Gruden says the team has not drafted well the last couple of years and he needs to get better, younger players through the draft. Hmm. Uh, they've had 29 new players on this roster from last season. 29 of the 53 were not on this roster last year. I mean, you, Chris, you tell me if I'm wrong. It doesn't seem like a media fabrication that there's some kind of divide or some butting of heads in their front office between John Gruden and Reggie McKenzie right now. What, what is your read on that? Yeah, I would say that it, it certainly seems like the. I wouldn't say necessarily there's a divide. I just think there's a clear power structure where Gruden is saying, here's what I like and here's what I don't like. And, uh, and you know, Reggie McKenzie is, is basically saying, I'm willing to give that to you, even if he liked those players. But I'll say this about that. I, in some ways, it's overblown. In some ways, it, it's absolutely true. But, uh, you know, as, like I said, as far as the power structure goes, that is clear. But McKenzie always deferred a lot to his coaches. If you go back to the way that he, you know, selected players under Dennis Allen versus Jack Del Rio, it changed. And he always gave his coaches a lot of input and wanted them to have the, co- the players that they needed. And I don't think that has changed here. So I think that's part of the reason that you're seeing certain guys, you know, basically maybe were really liked by Del Rio's regime, but not so much with Gruden's regime. And uh, being willing to move on from a sunk cost that maybe just the coaches don't feel like they can do much with, that's a that's a good thing, you know, moving on from those. Obviously, you don't want to make those mistakes and you don't want to turn over that roster so much if you've got good players. But uh, obviously, the Raiders weren't good enough last year, so you, you can't argue with expelling some players that didn't perform or weren't, weren't even able to get on the field. So without Keel, uh, Khalil Mack, who is the most important player, the most vital player that has to have a big year for this Raiders defense to have a chance to be in the top half or somewhere in the middle of the pack of defenses in the NFL? Well, I think the pressure is really on rookie Arden Key, who's going to play a key role now at defensive end as that other pass rusher, you know, on the other side of Bruce Irvin. I mean, you could certainly make the argument for you could certainly make the argument for Bruce Irvin. Someone hit the keys right there. <laughs> yeah, that was very, we're all right, Chris. I, I was, I was, okay, sorry about that. So I was going to say, you know, Bruce Irvin is probably one of those really important players now because he kind of has to step up without Mac on the other side. But really, it's the guy that has to fill in the shoes for Mac, which is Arden Key, the rookie. So, you know, Arden Key is, is the guy. And uh, the the thing about that is, is, I mean, they're really happy with Arden Key, but he's still a rookie and he's still learning a lot. And uh, so you're not quite sure how much to expect from him once the regular season rolls around and, and whether that's going to be a problem all year or not. Chris, is there or should there be a fear that a move like this will send negative ripple effects throughout the locker room where guys could be saying, well, they weren't willing to pay a potential future Hall of Famer. What will they do when my time comes up? Do you think that could affect the Raiders in the future in terms of free agency or negotiating extensions with their own players, especially with a guy who was so well-liked like you talked about earlier? 
Yeah, no, actually, I think that's one of the areas where we may have overdone it a little bit as far as when we talk these issues uh, about these issues, we kind of overdo it sometimes. And this is one of those areas. One thing you know about players is they're going to honestly, 99% of the time, they're going where the money is. So if the Raiders are offering the most money, uh, they're going to sign with the Raiders. I mean, that's usually the case. Um, so I don't think it really makes uh, sends a message to anybody or, or, you know, oh, they didn't value Mac, but they do value me. So why should I doubt that? Because, you know, they're giving me the best deal, uh, uh, you know, that's out there. So, you know, certainly some guys that have made a lot of money, they might choose fit a little bit better and they might start doubting whether the Raiders are, are the place to be. But to be honest with you, you know, they're going to go where the money's at. So I think that's one of those discussion points that we talk about that really doesn't really hold weight when you actually get in the real world. And it could, uh, John Gruden could make things easier for fans swallowing this jagged little pill if they, he gets the most out of his quarterback this season in Derek Carr and he returns to that MVP level where he thought he was a couple seasons ago before the injury. Is John Gruden the right offensive mastermind to pair with Derek Carr? We know he's seen him from afar, and that's part of the reason he's back with the Raiders. But is this going to be the perfect marriage of head coach and quarterback, young quarterback? Uh, I hope so. Um, I, I think it'll be certainly be fun to watch. But I do think Gruden, a lot of, you know, if you go back and, and look at what how Gruden likes to play and, and, you know, some little different things that he likes to do, I think those really fit with Derek's skill set, you know. Um, you know, he's, he's going to want to use that short passing game, running backs, movement um, to try to create matchups and give Derek easy throws and, and, and you know, add those stats a little bit. And then, you know, Gruden will, you know, he's going to want to run the ball. That'll protect Carr. And then, you know what? Gruden won't be afraid to dial up some shots here and there as well. And those are all kind of things that Derek is pretty good at. You know, he's good with that short passing game. He's, he's proven that. Um, you know, he, he's proven to be pretty accurate deep. But, you know, I know he had kind of a down year in that area last year. But, you know, it's those other, you know, deep developing middle, you know, kind of mid-level or medium-depth routes that he – uh, that he struggles with, and I think where Gruden will make those a little bit easier for him and, and kind of create those matchups uh, as he can. So I think Gruden really is the right type of guy. Whether it actually works out or not, I don't know, um, just because it's been a long time since Gruden's been in the league, so I'm just not sure uh, where he's at at this point. So that's part of one of our things that we're all going to get to learn together. And so with the trade of Mac, we alluded to it a little bit earlier as far as the expectation levels uh, for the team and whether or not this is a rebuild, maybe a soft rebuild if you have your franchise quarterback and it's a couple of good receivers where you try to maybe build this roster up for the future while competing at the same time. Just what were your expectations for the Raiders in 2019 or excuse me, 2018 before the Mac trade and have those expectations changed now that Mac is gone? Yeah, I think my expectations for this team was probably like around maybe a 10-win uh, type season, uh, nine or 10 wins. I might, you know, maybe think maybe closer to nine without Mac. I think Vegas has, has said that Mac was worth roughly a half a win to the Raiders. So um, I don't know if that's changed but in the last couple of days, but that was kind of what I initially heard. So I think that's pretty accurate, actually, in the sense that, you know, from if you're between nine and a half, maybe nine and a half wins, uh, maybe you're down to nine, and then that's where the Raiders are at now. That may be good enough for playoffs, depending on the division and, and how other things shake out, but I definitely don't think they're certainly not necessarily a favorite uh, out of the AFC by any stretch of the imagination. Chris, Amari Cooper was trending towards being an elite receiver his first couple of years, took a big step back last year, 
Has his ceiling lowered overall for how you project his career going, or can Gruden kind of jumpstart him again too? Yeah, I think Gruden, of, of all the players on the Raiders roster uh, outside of Derek Carr, I think if Gruden is successful at turn doing anything, it's, it's helping receivers be successful. So I think he's going to be absolutely phenomenal for Amari Cooper. And I think Cooper is primed for a great year. I know that he had a down year last year, but yet like the entire passing game had a down year last year. It wasn't just Amari. It wasn't just anybody. So, um, you know, you got to think about it that way. And um, the way that I think about it is all those short passes I talked about car getting, you know, that's, those are going to go to Amari because he's amazing with the ball in his hands and he runs great routes and he's got all the package of a great wide receiver. It's just about the offense being focal point, you know, him being a focal point of that offense and him getting enough touches and he will get those balls in his hands with Gruden as the, as the head coach. And, main play caller as well. Chris, I saw earlier today the city of Oakland's in the process of filing an antitrust lawsuit against the Raiders and the league as a whole for uh, for the move to Vegas. And apparently the Raiders told the city if they go through with it, they're not going to renew their lease for the 2019 season, and they'll have to basically play next year somewhere else or at a series of other sites. All road games. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> you know, just be a vagabond type of team. How much do you know about that situation and where would the Raiders play in 2019 if Oakland isn't an option? Would they share with the Niners in Santa Clara, San Diego at Qualcomm for a season possibly? Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of factors there. I think the Raiders would prefer to play an additional season someplace in the Bay Area and then kind of have that big unveiling in Vegas. But I'll say this. Uh, I'll say this about courtroom football. It is so boring. I mean, we really – I know that we want, we care about where the team's going to play, but all these lawsuits and stuff, this is what you usually see when teams move. I mean, we've seen it. You know, St. Louis tried a similar thing when when uh, when the Rams moved to L.A. So you see this kind of stuff come up, and honestly, I don't, I don't think it matters that much. I think what only matters is the fact that the Raiders might say, you know what, if you if you try to sue us, we're not going to negotiate at least with you. We're going to try to play someplace else. And, um, you know, they've got options. Santa Clara is certainly one option. Um, and the league, I'm, I'm certain, would probably – uh, push for that um, and you know so there's there's a lot of different factors in play here and honestly I, I don't know which way it'll go um, but it, it's just one of these things that happens when you move a team and it, it's unfortunate and it's sad and you know it's we already know it's not going to be fun for the, the Oakland Raiders fans the ones that are in Oakland to kind of go through this next year two years of seeing their team kind of you know play their last games in the city um, and, and that's uh, that's unfortunate. But whether it's this year or next year, I don't. I really think that really matters that much because they are going to be moving to Vegas, whether it be after this season or the next one. Last one for you here, Chris Hansen. I'm going to put you on the hot seat for a second. Don't you have a seat right over here for me? Better chance the Raiders win five games or ten games? Uh, I'll say ten games, and I'll say this, and I'll say why in this particular case is. At least as we know it right now, the Raiders do not have a very difficult schedule this year, and that plays into some of it, how a team does. If you're going to win a close game here and there on the road, especially, uh, that strength of schedule you know, matters. Now, obviously, we know those things can change in a, in a blink in the NFL, but uh, at least right now, you look at the schedule, you're like, okay, I could see them winning 10. I, I think towards the five end, that would be a disaster for John Gruden. So uh, I, I would definitely say that they could win 10. Um, but you lose a quarterback, anything can happen. So injuries always play a, play a role, but I'll say 10 games. 
at Chris Hans- Chris Hansen NFL is where you can find him on Twitter. He is our friend Christopher Hansen covers the Raiders for RaidersBlog.com proprietor. Chris, thanks for taking the time. As always, we greatly appreciate it, and hopefully we'll talk to you throughout the season. No problem. Thanks, guys. There he goes. Chris Hansen laying it down. I like to call him Chris Hansen. Lays it down talking Raiders football. I call him Chris Hansen. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting that while Al Davis is gone, his legacy is living on in more than one way with the uh, NFL and relocation and all that happening again with him getting into it with the city. Although the reverse of this is you know, Al Davis was notorious for overpaying to keep his own guys, even if they were overrated. I remember he paid, he gave Nandi Asamoah a quarterback contract, and he was a corner at the time. And people were like, this old man is out of his freaking mind. He was the best corner for a couple of years. It was him and Champ Bailey at the time. Oh, no doubt he was the best. The problem is you have a great corner on a team of nobodies. Yeah, at least a, a pass rusher is more important than a cornerback, and Al Davis paid a corner like a quarterback. Yeah, quarterback Plus he played D'Angelo Hall. <laughs> yeah, D'Angelo Hall, Javon Walker couldn't walk. He gave him a lot of money, so this is the absolute reverse where Mark – and John, and John, I mean, Mark says he gives John pretty much autonomy to do what he wants, and I think that's clear uh, considering all the things. And it goes back to some of the stuff we talked about in the first segment. Uh, basically to do whatever he wants at this point. And so he got rid of one of the best players, a player that some people believe is a future Hall of Famer. So there you go. Thanks again to Chris Hansen. Again, follow him on Twitter at Chris Hansen NFL, who I've known my entire life. Going back, okay, maybe not entire life, but since I was about 13. He was in my youth. He group, actually birthed up in NorCal. He, he was the midwife that birthed Adam. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We had one of those silent births too. Yeah, he caught, caught, Scientology style. He caught him in a Raider blankie. That was it. <laughs> and yet, Panthers fan. I don't I know, know what, what the, the hell is. happened, man. <laughs> well, Panthers fan, when it's convenient for you. When Fred Lane put it on the Raiders back in '97, I said, "That's my team wow, right you're there." Really, you're really going back on that the one. The late great Fred Lane. What All about right. when the Panthers were losing to the Saints three times last year? We don't talk about that. Oh, okay. And that's not happening this year. Okay. Because we're not going to have the opportunity <laughs> to lose to them three times. <laughs> we're only going to lose to them twice. No, we'll see. I think that's obviously going to be one of the best divisions in football, as it usually is, because outside the Bucks, there are three. Yeah. Nobody's taking a step back. Three legitimate teams. Oh, yeah. No doubt. Not at this point. I don't know what it looks like. In fact, I think the Saints are going to go deep again. But then there's Atlanta, and they're going to be even better. They had a top-10 defense last year, finally. Sure did. Yeah. Took them long enough. Dan Quinn turned it around down there. So uh, we have uh, we have Geek News coming up in the next segment, don't we? Yeah, we're going to turn this show around a little bit and talk about our favorite video game of all time and why it's getting a sequel, finally, after all these years. It took 40 years to make an Asteroid sequel? That's crazy. 40 years, man. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's Miss a pretty pa- good game still. Did, did they do Miss Pac-Man Part 2? Part 2? Is that what it is? They got all kinds of Pac-Man it's like, games It's just now. like Street Fighter 2, but there was like nine editions of Street Fighter 2 before there's a Street Fighter 3. <sighs> Street Fighter 2 Tournament Edition, Super Street Fighter 2, Street Fighter 2 Turbo, Street Fighter 2 Hyper Fighting. <laughs> I don't know. The Rainbow Edition where you can jump and shoot Hadoukens doing that stuff. They, they were doing a little bit too much. And they had the tag teams jump in there. Oh, Then it was Capcom versus Marvel. That kicked ass. <laughs> Then also, the, there was a Mortal Kombat versus Marvel or something like that. Did I see that the other day? Damn, that's pretty awesome if there is. I could have swore I saw a Mortal Kombat versus Marvel video game. You know what? I'll Google that. I don't that. know if Marvel's ready for those fatalities. Yeah, I'll have to Google that and, and reconfirm that. But there was a mashup, and it was it was from the same like Marvel versus Capcom or Street Fighter versus Capcom. But I could have swore it had Mortal Kombat involved in there. Or maybe it was just a fan graphics saying oh wouldn't it be sweet if yeah maybe it was one of those that i saw fan fiction with video games although there is something called the mugen engine m-u-g-e-n 
which can give you up to a thousand players or something like that in a one-on-one type fighting game from all these different types of games where you could get combinations of the Green Ranger versus Sub-Zero or something like that. Brutality. Or Homer from the Simpsons game oh, yeah. versus somebody. Now, yeah, just wackiness. I'd imagine Homer would be pretty bitch-made because all he can do is punch you. Yeah, with those punches. Yeah, at least Lisa has like the, the jump rope. Of course, my favorite, Marge. Homer is hard to knock out, though. My favorite was Marge. She would just knock the crap out of you with that with that uh, vacuum cleaner. I mean, she has the best. Marge she has, had the she longest had the reach. reach. Yeah. She had the See, reach. you're not good at sports. It's a very small part of life. I love Bart with the skateboard. I'll vacuum the S out of you, though. That's for damn sure. <laughs> and that hair. That's right. <laughs> all right. Coming up next in Geek News, our favorite video game of all time finally gets another sequel. Thanks to Chris Hansen. This is the FNA Podcast. So would you like to watch a movie with me with your hand down my pants? FNA, Cotton, FNA. Yes, please. No. Thanks again to Chris Hansen for coming on. Somebody actually typed that out in <laughs> chat to a kid. And it worked with a decoy. Right. <laughs> so I guess it didn't really. But Unreal. he's probably used that line before. Yeah, I'm sure, yeah, maybe that yeah, didn't work out well for him with actual grown folk. Wait till so, you hear this guy's screen name here, Kevin. Screen name Meat Rocket 8. <laughs> That's the guy who typed that. Screen name Daddy for you. Yo, Multiple that one out actually mine, to be honest with you. That's actually, you can use that as a bit of a joke. Meat Rocket 8? No, Daddy for you. <laughs> oh. Screen name Daddy for you. <laughs> that could be kind of ironically funny or something, to <laughs> be honest with you. You're listening to the FNA podcast. Oh, yeah, by the way, sorry. As if you didn't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we are the official. To catch a predator show of records. That's, right. that's not sexual? Yeah, that's what we do here. We've been playing this stuff for since years. day one. For years. I think these were some of the first sound bites were that they? I went for, which says something about me, I guess. You are every parent's worst nightmare. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's, it's... It is one of my favorite shows because you get people at their most uncomfortable, worst possible moments in their entire lives, and you see them candid. As they should be. <laughs> They out, did it to shit, themselves. Shit, shit, out these a-holes, these freaking perverts for that. <laughs> the hell's wrong with you guys? Why is this not... Okay, wait. Chris Hansen, mm-hmm. he did not get caught no. doing the same thing no, 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 that no, no, he no, catches no, people no, doing. No, no, he just got he caught cheating on, on his, his wife. wife. That's, that's different. That's much more normal. Yeah, yeah. Who doesn't cheat on their... You're not going to jail for that. Yeah, who doesn't cheat on their wife? You may get in the doghouse. Yeah. You may get changed to the bed with some freaky stuff, what you're doing with that girl, but that's it. Yeah, I cheated on my future ex-wife last week. <laughs> she just don't know it well, yet. Exactly. <laughs> that sink in for a minute. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks again to Chris Hansen, of course, on the first show of the week. It's not Monday. It's Wednesday. We like to do some geek news here. Aside from being the official Megan's Law show of record here on the FNA podcast, we're also the Streets of Rage yeah. show of record. Yeah, one of the first tracks I played for Adam uh, by Wale mentioned Streets of Rage, and he was sucked in, and he became a giant Wale fan. Was he talking about skate? Yes. He said, Streets of Rage 2, I make these hoes skate, was his line. He had me with that and also the the album about nothing, alluding to the the Seinfeld. Seinfeld, And he brought Seinfeld in studio with him. Oh, yeah, he's on track. He's on, yeah, he does a lot of interludes and all that. The MC, I think, is the name of the track where he references Skate. You want a piece of me? That's from his Ambition mixtape, I believe. Okay. 
why the love Wale, even though a lot of people oh he's emotional as f hate on him. He's definitely even really- though he did not fare well in that celebrity basketball game no, during no. the All Star Weekend no. halftime. Yeah, it wasn't the, it was. wasn't the best look. Yeah, uh, but yeah, other podcasts maybe dedicate themselves to just talking video games. We try to bring you some at least once a week in our video game fact of the week through all our sounds here as well. That's from Mortal Kombat. But no other show can boast that they actually use the Streets of Rage stage clear sounder as their outro music like we've been doing since day one here on the FNA podcast. That's right. Kevin and I have played Streets of Rage together, bonded on the game, found common ground between 78th and Vermont and the GB up in NorCal, Granite Bay, (laughs) with our affection for what we think is the best Home console beat 'em up game, specifically Streets of Rage 2. Mm. It's the most fluid, the most varied with all the attacks and the different enemies and how many there can be on the screen. The most responsive controls are in it. It's just so finely tuned. Final Fight can't step to it. Nice of the round, I don't think so. Even Ninja Turtles, although we love the Turtles, I don't know if it's a better beat 'em nah. up game with as many moves as Streets of Rage. No, not even close. Even one of my favorites of all time, and this kind of set. I guess uh, it was one of the pioneers of beat-em-up games, Double Dragon. Mm-hmm, no doubt. We talked about this a lot. It set a new standard, at least. Oh, no doubt. Beat-em-up games. No doubt. And there's Double Dragon with Battletoads. Which, Battletoads. I always, which I bring up as one of my favorite games of all time is Battletoads Double Dragon. If Maximum Carnage was two players simultaneously. Mm, which you should be able to because they the you, F up. you have to switch off between being Spider-Man and Venom, yeah. but you can't be the two of them together. They fixed it in the next game, but it wasn't quite as tight yes. with the control separation wasn't. anxiety. No, Maximum Carnage should have been the best beat-em-up, but it's not. River City Ransom on NES, very good. Golden Axe. Golden Axe, excellent. That's a classic one. I love being I the love dwarf. Golden Axe. I love beating up those the little guys axe. to get the magic. Mm-hmm. The giant axe. Hot yeah. girl in it, too. Mm-hmm. My axe. Captain America and the Avengers is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the arcade, you could argue that Simpsons or the six-player X-Men or Alien versus Predator is better. You could argue than Streets of Rage 2, maybe. I do think Alien vs. Predator is a very, it was very fun. good. It was fun. Beat em up game. Game over, man. I game over. still don't think it was better than Streets of Rage, and I okay. might even put X Men above Alien vs. Predator, but not even put that above Streets of Rage. Well, especially if you're Colossus. <laughs> <laughs> Wolverine the did not Wolverine. have the great special. Yeah, the old school Wolverine, brown and burgundy. He basically just zips across the screen when like has a cloth like flash yeah. and that's kind of it. You want Colossus or Nightcrawler right. whose special just goes across the entire screen. Right. He just f's up everybody. Even Dazzler's has a better special yeah. than Wolverine. The bootleg Jubilee. Right. <laughs> they say Jubilee is actually the bootleg Dazzler. But for those of us that watch the X Men cartoon, which is all that's all that matters, by the exactly. way. Exactly. Like, okay. That's canon right there. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the beat 'em up genre has somewhat been forgotten these days it's kind of a relic but it's being brought back thanks to retro gamers which we definitely are one of the few new beat-em-ups i played was called castle crashers castle crashers it was nice sounds like a racing game or something it's uh you play as some knights and you're going and fighting around in medieval times and it, you, there, there's a level up ability to it you gain some new moves give, and all that they give you soup and a chicken leg 
Yeah, they don't like do it like Street Times. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, I was thinking the chicken leg from Streets of Rage oh, when you find it behind a trash can. That is can. true, yes. The turkey leg. Well, too different. I was thinking of medieval times out here in, uh, in Orange County where they give you chicken and you sit really high up with soup and are afraid of spilling it in front of the guy in front of you. You fight Jim Carrey from the cable guy. Oh, for cable guy, that's right. A little known fact, it was supposed to be Chris Farley in that role. You're a huge embarrassment. Which would have made as much sense. It would, it would change the tone of the film a little bit, too. I can't um, see him being as dark as Jim Carrey got in that. No. Where he's yeah. running towards the door. Oh, that freaked me out for some reason. <laughs> Directed by Ben Stiller, I think, too. Did Ben Stiller direct that? I need to I, see it again. I didn't know that. It's been I a saw long time. it. I probably saw it maybe about three months ago. I was disappointed when I saw it originally in theaters because we were so used to The Mask, Jim Carrey, Dumb and Dumber, Jim Carrey, Ace Ventura, Jim Carrey. This was a different side. This is like. Half slapstick, half just giant weirdo. Yeah. Like, kind of creepy. He actually scared me. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, when I think of the greatest beat-em-up ever, the first game I go to is Streets of Rage 2. <laughs> and I think of Axel and that uppercut he has, which I guess is called the grand uppercut move in Streets of Rage 2. Everybody just called it Grasshopper. Man. So grand. Oh. <laughs> okay, so he had the Grasshopper uppercut. But he had the giant swinging like overhand fist or right. whatever it was that actually drains your life when you use it. That was a special move. Right. Along with if you tap that special move, I think once you'll do a like an eight punch combo. Mm-hmm. Yes, correct. You'll correct. just go grinder just on go the like, guy. Yeah, it's like you're you're hitting the speed bag or something. Not grinder on the guy from the <laughs> app, okay, guys. That's not sexual. So when the news was announced last week, at some point I have to tell you about me going to a gay club at in Vegas. I don't know if we have time for it today. We may we may be able to make time. It's a long story. Maybe I'll tell it after you wrap up the geekiness. Really bringing that story out of the closet, huh? Yeah. I you talked know. about it on PMS the other day, so it's not like this isn't like some giant okay. secret. The secret's out. My secret is out. No, well, it's really not. Did you hear this news when Street to Rage 4 was featured last week in some big... I knew nothing of this, by the way. It was a convention that I think showed it off, a gaming convention. There like, was a demo there. Like a bootleg E3 or something? Yeah, something not to that scale, but it was a big deal. And someone actually tweeted tweeted at me, you know, Street to Rage 4 is coming. I know! You can't <laughs> tell me about Street to Rage 4. We're all over that. But, yeah, I was jumping up and down and doing, like, a blaze flip kick when oh, I yeah. heard the news. Well, you're, you're, you're cheering like uh, Chung Lee after she beat somebody in Street Fire. Yeah, and, and she laughs at that. Giggling at you, yeah. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> Although those thighs. I'm, I'm more interested when Cammy beats me and then oh, turns around. Oh, she's hanging out. That's right. And she looks back at you, too. Whatever green she's stuff's like, going on with her legs, I don't care. She's like, I see you looking. I don't care what kind of yeast infection that could I'm be. I'm pretty sure it's just camouflage. Good God. <laughs> There's some greenness going on. It's like yeah, it's, She-Hulk. It's like green paint. It's like Commando with uh, Arnold. It's like the Double Dare Salon. <laughs> but there hasn't been a new Streets of Rage game in 24 yeah. years. That was Streets of Rage 3 with the kangaroo, right? Came out in 94. Oh. And the old man who was kind of robotic. Yeah. It was an old man robot thing. I, I don't think I've ever beat Streets of Rage 3. I don't think I've ever played through it all the it's, way. I was so fixated on Streets of Rage 2. It's been so long. I can't even. I don't remember who the boss was. I know it's good. It was fun. And it's some of the same characters and one of the bad guys you can now play as after you beat him in the game. Correct. So we should probably do that. Yeah, it was the... <laughs> Before so you, we get to Streets of Rage 4. The general. So <laughs> the not the, oh, the super boss with the giant gun who sits behind the Mr. desk. Mr. X. Okay. Yeah. So his underling, the, the the guy you have to beat before you fight you fight Shiva, him. Shiva, I think it is. He's the playable, he's got long hair, right? He, yes, he's the playable character in Streets of Rage Three. That's a great option. No, that was like in my old Game Gear Power Rangers game. After you beat the Green Ranger in level three, then you can play as him. Dragon Sword. Then Tommy's your friend. 
because he was green with evil at first in right, that five-part miniseries. I remember that. Best miniseries ever. Uh, that's a bit of a stretch, but sure. <laughs> we'll know. go with it. <laughs> roots? I'd probably say Roots. Okay, okay. fair enough. Bit, Green, the, he green with evil was my roots. I, I'm so was it? <laughs> Real revolutionary, I'm sure. Here's what we know so, bar, so far about uh, Street Man, to Rage 4. You compare Tommy to Kunta Kinte. Go on. <laughs> Sorry. It does have the same, just three buttons. Okay. You've got a jump, mm-hmm. an attack, okay. and a special. All right. So it's retro in that way. The graphics are souped up. It's still 2D, though, but it looks... Like the hand-drawn cartoon graphics, it actually looks very close to a modernized version of the old game Comic Zone on Genesis, where you were actually playing in a comic strip. This was a good game, where you would climb between scenes, fight guys within the comic strip. It was really cool. So it looks a little bit like that, and it still has the late 80s, early 90s costumes with the bad guys and the mohawks. And the fat dudes. You know, there's always the fat, the fat guys in the onesies. Yeah, the fat bros. Well, they fat ass. That they'll bump into each other, I think, if they, they miss you. They jump in the air and hit you on the head with their ass, but they don't fart on you. What game was that where they had where it was it was like Street Fighter, and there was a guy that farted on you. Ooh. What game was that? What game was that? God, I can't think. Samurai of it. Showdown. It may have King been Samurai. Monsters. It may have been Samurai Showdown. So it was a one-on-one fighting. Yes, game. Yes, a one-on-one fighting game. And the guy actually turns around and he shoots a green fart at you. That sounds like a Neo Geo type game. Which I think Samurai Showdown was, wasn't it? I think it was. They had some blood in there. Oh. But uh, and oh yes, Mr. X is supposed to be back as the final boss is again he? well he just can't die can he so a few lucky people have played the demo of this as we were talking about at the convention it was pax west it was called okay. and they all gave glowing reviews and it didn't seem like they were just being shills for this new game okay there's some purists there's some newcomers and it seems to satisfy both sides now you can only play as axel and blaze so far but more characters are promised to come now axel has aged he has a golden beard now beard now to uh, not golden brew, not a beer. I was about to say a beer. A he, has beard. A, he has a beer belly. <laughs> I was like, well, he, well, he actually, has put on some pounds. He, he let himself go, huh? All right. He's like me. <laughs> but I'm trying to get back to my prime. But he's still got the uppercut. He's still got all the moves. The he's got old man strength, I guess. Okay. He's beating everybody's ass, and he's angrier than ever because he's like 40. Get off my lawn. Got the dad strength working. Okay. I just hope they bring back Adam. I agree. The black Adam. I love playing with Black Adam. Oh. That's my favorite character. He seems much stronger than White Adam. <laughs> yeah, of course, he had to be the one who was locked up in chains. And <laughs> well, Skate was his little brother I'm, coming to save him. I know, him. I know. I'm just saying. Well, Max was black too, right? No, he was as he had a really good tan. Really? Max was wasn't he black. Hispanic. Did you really think that Max was was black? You know, it was just 16 big oh, graphics. Come on. I don't know. Help out here, Adam. <laughs> you know for a fact you didn't think Max was black. No, no, come on. There's no way. Two of my closest friends yeah. are video game black people. And black people don't even got hair like that. <laughs> Three of my closest friends are African Americans. Talk about. I know he was whooping ass. Uh, that's for damn He's swole as hell. <laughs> He's bigger than some of the bosses. That's true. <laughs> now remember, talking about that special move, because it would drain some of your life, now there's going to be a tweak to that. Okay. In Streets of Rage 4... Players have a chance to earn some of that health back if you perform a clean, uninterrupted melee combo. Mm. So if you use that special move and then just go into another ass-whooping combo, 
mashing those buttons together in the right way where you don't get hit, you can gain back that health, which is not a bad addition, I think. No, not at all. So you don't feel as bad for using your special, but sometimes there is that trade-off where you know you'll take more damage because a group of guys has surrounded you. You take them all out. Then if using your special, you would have taken more damage if you just, you know, Try got pile-drived around. No doubt. Now I'm watching the trailer right now as we speak. Okay. Axel's put on some weight, but he's not fat at all. Then... He's just a little thicker. I'm, I'm not that either. He's, he's, a little, just a little he's thicker. just a little bit thicker. More, more uh, cushion for the push. And Blaze, Blaze ain't bad. Blaze has aged much better than Axel. I will say so. I don't know. She's been, she's been doing work. Well, <laughs> the she's enemy. Been, she's been hitting them squats. <laughs> Other updates. All, all the white girls do now at the gym. Sure do. All. Another update is the enemies can't wander off the screen. If they enter the field of play, they're trapped there. Good. So, because you couldn't do it before, you can actually throw them off screen, turn around and start fighting somebody else, and here comes old boy from behind, yeah. smacking you upside the head again. Or that one guy with a knife, yeah, who just shakes you. Or he just he runs really fast. He runs really like yeah. up behind you. Two hands on the knife, he's holding hands, it exactly. And it's just a Bowie knife. Why do you gotta have two hands on it? Yeah, this ain't this ain't the sword of Damocles or something or Excalibur. Like what the hell are you doing? It ain't that heavy, bro? Now, so far, they're just using the Streets of Rage two soundtrack, which. You're hearing mm-hmm. right now. That works. That's the fill-in music. We could stick with that because the music of this game is pretty legendary. It's done by Yuzo Koshiro. He also did the music for Sonic the Hedgehog, mm-hmm. Shinobi. He's pretty renowned. Some with legendary this game. games. Composing, yeah. Oh. Uh, they said the developers of this new game, which and they do have a relationship with Sega. Okay. They're called Guard Crush and Lizard Cube and .emu, and they actually did a remake of the old game Wonder Boy, The Dragon's Trap, which was an old Sega game. They did a remake of that recently, and everybody was satisfied. So I think they've already achieved you know, remake success. Now they're making a sequel in Street to Rage 4. But Good. here's basically their uh, mission statement. They said the idea is that we're trying to recreate the original experience, but with bringing more because it's a new installment, which seems like the right formula. Yeah, for sure. I like it. And they, they didn't make it so souped up because if you're making a game like this, you're yeah. appealing to an audience of our generation, not mm-hmm. the 17-year-olds, 13-year-olds who are playing Fortnite and a bunch of stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah, you soup up the graphics a little bit, but it still has the old-school game feel, which is what a lot of us people in our age group want. And so you, it's good. You can go to streetsforrage.com to see the demo and more information on it. But Excellent. They don't know what platform it's coming out on yet because it's so early in development. They don't know the release date. Mm-hmm. Some speculate that it's definitely coming to PC, but maybe Switch, maybe PlayStation, maybe Xbox. We don't know where else it could be coming to. But okay. one of those, obviously. Okay. Uh, so if you have one of those, you're in luck, and we should play Streets of Rage 3 and beat that sucker sometime. Because I agree. I was so hell-bent on trying to beat Streets of Rage 2 on hard, mm-hmm. which is really hard, really effing hard. <laughs> yeah. Like, you have to be. That's what I like about the game. People say, well, beat em up game, it's good for an hour, and then it's over. There's strategy with Streets of Rage. There's so many different moves you can pull off. You can th- throw, throw your partner into, into the bad guys, and that adds different damage depending on which person is being thrown. It's interesting. You're right. And you can also, because I'm guessing back in the day, if you had the adapter, you could use all four of them at the same time. Could you? I don't know. That is a negative, and okay. that is one of the things they should add to the new game. I agree. That yeah. we should actually get a hold of them and make sure that you can have four players on the screen because that would be a huge upgrade. Right. Now, as you mentioned right now, that this is just the demo or the um, the uh, preview, so they only have two characters in it. They'll add the others later. But if you can have multiple players be able to do it, 
that will make it fun. Give us four players. Yeah. Now I looked up Samurai Showdown. There was a uh, character named Earthquake. <laughs> was it a female or? No big old women down there. <laughs> it was not a woman. Okay. But uh, I'm going to uh, show you a video, uh, and you tell me how Earthquake decides to attack. Uh, his opponent. Earthquake's got a special move. Oh, Earthquake has a special move. All it's right. It's not a Yokozuna bonsai drop, is it? Uh, you know what I think. You might rather have a Yokozuna bonsai drop <laughs> dropped on you. To he be doesn't just drop you. a deuce on your face or something like that. No, I'd rather take the fatality. It doesn't look like it smells that good. <laughs> so here, I'm gonna swing my screen around and take a little look. samurai showdown. Look oh, him. it's the Mujin engine I was talking about earlier. Yes. Okay. And our guy, Earthquake. And who's he fighting? Magma that. Dragoon. Yeah. I don't know what that's from. Neither do I. Well, it looks like a character from VR Troopers or something. Oh, that's a good call, <laughs> VR Troopers. <laughs> and he basically just farts in the guy's face. I do remember Earthquake, yeah. And he's got his little chain mm, spike like thing. Like a ball and chain. Yeah. He swings at I you. I think one of the girls, the uh, was snake girls, the Team Cobra, Whatever they were, that there were three of them. One of them was pretty hot from Game of Thrones the past couple seasons. Mm. As you can imagine, they died. Oh, <laughs> everybody, like, like everybody does. Everybody dies in Game of Thrones. Jeez, that's depressing. Yeah. Oh, and I also found um, uh, I was talking about um the um Mortal Kombat okay. mashup, and apparently there is a Mortal Kombat versus Capcom video Ooh. game. Fatality. So Capcom would include quite a few characters then because they not only have Marvel, they got the Street Fighter characters. They got all that going on. No doubt. Mega Man's in there. Yes, yeah, his overall feature is a 10D new game engine with Unity X, whoever that is. Uh, inclu included Unity. choosing side, which, while well, this is not, the grammar on here is really, <laughs> I mean. Come on now. English, mother do you speak it? Five playable characters from Mortal Kombat, Scorpion, Sub-Zero, Liu Kang, Cyrax, and Nightwolf. Maybe it's being translated from a it could Japanese be. developer. It could be. Capcom, Strider, Hyru, whoever that is. Strider. Was that the game from, I think it's Striker? There was an old There Genesis was a Striker game. guy. I don't remember a Strider, though. Okay, okay. Mega Man, Ryu, Beautiful? Is she beautiful? Beautiful Joe. Oh. And dude. Amaterasu? A few of those I don't know. Okay. So it's, you know, the a, games have passed us by. We yeah, know the old school stuff. a bit stuff. of a story mode that goes on here. So it doesn't look like it's actual fighting games. Like you actually take a couple of characters and do like a story mode or something. Okay. But it's called Mortal Kombat versus Capcom. So there you go. Apparently it does exist. Not bad. They no. do exist. Yeah. <laughs> right. We uh, do have a couple of voicemails to get to before we check Our out, by the way. Voicemails exist. Yes. 949-478-1197 is the number. Again, 949-478-1197. I still have to pay Andre those $40. Ugh. I'm sorry. It's been weighing on me heavily, this burden. <laughs> Can't believe I have to pay him more than I've paid anyone. $40, That's man. That's what makes this even more, doesn't it? It ain't $40 this week. In right. fact, the prize closet is almost getting full. <laughs> We're getting ready for that time for you guys to actually pick out some items. That's true. Time is coming. Time is coming. Time has come today. Let's take a listen to the first call. What's up, guys? Looks uh, like I was late today for the uh, Champions League uh, update. Um, yeah, it was in freaking Monaco, so I had to wake up like at 8 in the morning, and yet it started like at 9, and it just finished. It was like an hour long, but just a quick highlight. Uh, Juventus and Manu are paired up in the same group, so that means... Uh, Ronaldo gets to go back to his old home in the Manchester United, where they really love him, so that, that's very interesting. Uh, Man City's in Group F, which is 
the group that uh, 40% of the time has a champion win in the whole thing. Uh, Barcelona's in a good group. They got Spurs, Tottenham Hotspurs. They got some Team PSV. I'm not sure where they're from. And uh, Real Madrid has a good group, like they always do, because for some reason, UEFA loves to give Real Madrid an easy, easy pathway. But, uh, yeah, out of all the teams, I'd say Man City and Real Madrid have the easiest group. Um, but, yeah, uh, for uh, right now, I think my favorites to win the whole thing would probably be Juventus and Man City. Barcelona, if Suarez can get back to those ways, I'd put them in there. But then again, um, Coutinho and Dembele can help out a lot for Barcelona, and they could negate everything. All right, guys, I probably won't call until, like, the the – UFO starts getting on the way. Or unless Mourinho gets fired. Later, guys. Hey, who needs Eric Winalda? That's right. We got Andre 3000. Days like that. Ways to hate on this show. Why are you mad at me, Adam? Yeah. Yes, I know a lot of love who, who, of who vent this, by the way, with the arrival of Ronaldo. So that's exciting. So wait, uh, Manchester United and Real Madrid are real good again? Yeah. Cool. I, I could have said that. It's kind of a constant. I don't know if that was very insightful. Okay, I don't wake up at for those four in the morning know. on Saturday mornings. Yeah, I, I go don't know to, what's I, going on. Yeah, I go to sleep at six in the morning on Saturday morning. So a lot of times I do catch the beginning of many of these matches, um, but that's about it. Thanks for the call, Andre. Yeah. Thanks for the uh, analysis. I guess. All right. What's All next? Right. Hey, Kevin. A scale of one to ten, how mad are you about the Khalil Matt trade? And who do you blame more, Gruden or uh, ownership? All right, Kevin. Sorry for your loss. And Adam, I hopefully by the time you hear this, you yeah, wish me a happy birthday on Saturday, September first. It's not on my birthday until you say happy birthday to me. Thank you, Adam. Bye. <laughs> he kept putting that pressure on me. Wow. I'm on vacation in Tahoe, and he kept tweeting me as it's leading up to the next day, as it's getting close to 12 a.m. He's like 46 minutes, 30 minutes. You got 20 minutes left to wish me happy birthday. And I finally sent him a gif of some hot cheerleaders. A gif or a gift? A gif blowing kisses and then it zooms in on some guy who looks like he should be in duck dynasty in the background also blowing a kiss and saying happy birthday mm. so there you go andre i hope it was a good one that was saturday night i think okay well i'm glad you guys are still on good terms then sorry for your loss kevin of yeah i was yeah that's real tragic it's like a death know, in the family i mean my god nobody died who do you like, blame life, kevin life goes on play the blame game I mean, if I have to blame someone, it's John Gruden. I mean, ownership gave him the right to do whatever he wants. If John wanted him to sign the contract, Mark Davis would have let him do it. Hey, he wasn't a big enough Gruden grinder for John. I guess, I guess not. <laughs> but so, I mean, if Mark, Davis, look, if Mark Davis felt enough that he can come in and say, hey, I want Khalil Mack to stay, then he would have signed the contract. But I'm pretty sure probably not the best way to endear yourself to a guy who you've been literally chasing for eight years. Uh, and one of the first big moves that he makes, you say, nah, we're not going to do that. We're going to keep Khalil Mack. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure he, uh, Mark Davis wanted to empower John, and he's done that, and John made his own move. So if I have to blame someone, obviously the blame falls on John Gruden. It doesn't fall on <laughs> doesn't fall on Reggie McKenzie because he basically openly said without explicitly saying it. What about Khalil? He wanted well, too much money. Money wasn't an issue. Look, he's man, so greedy. These players can get whatever the hell they want. We talk about injuries, concussions, CTE, and all that stuff. Man, take whatever they will give you. And he earned it, too. 
The if fifth, he's not the best pass rusher, he's top two, top three with Von Miller and Aaron Donald. You realize he is the only player in NFL history to make all pro at two different positions. Linebacker on the DM. same team. Yeah. He was all pro at linebacker and defensive end on the same all pro team. Not pro bowl or whatever. Well, that says how bad the they were. Team. He had to play two positions all the time. They Bingo. actually only had 10 guys on defense. Bingo. It was Khalil Mack filling two positions. He was. He was. <laughs> that tells you a generational type of player uh, that that guy was. So so if I had to blame, it's I blame John Gruden. Yeah. Sorry, Gruden. But you, again. You and your tire commercial. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Bridgestone? Yeah. He was doing Hooters for a while, and he looked really uncomfortable while he was doing it. Yeah, that didn't work for me either. Well, was that just like whoever is the color analyst on Monday Night Football gets to do the Hooters? Is that what it was? Is that a, is that a pairing? Is the corn eyes are doing it beforehand now? or something? I feel like he did. Did he? I don't remember. I think they spread like some buffalo wing sauce on his head as a joke or something. I don't Thank know. God it was his head and not <laughs> something else. I saw Skip Bayless without his shirt today, and I didn't need to see that. Oh, in the ice bath? Yeah. I didn't need that either. Oh. Yeah, poor Skip. I will say this. I thought he would look worse. I I hear he's a workout-aholic. Is he really? Yeah, he hits the gym hard. Is that what he says? Like he's shredded underneath. No, if if he said it, I'd never believe it. (laughs) Obviously, that'd just be hot air. More hyperbole. Right. More hot takes. But yeah, for 1.4. I don't know how old Skip is. I'd have to imagine he's somewhere in his, like, 60s. He may not have been... The Pete Maravich of his high school basketball team. To say the least. <laughs> but he does have some muscle on him. Yeah, some lean look, muscle yeah, mass. Didn't look too bad. When you're on TV all the time, you tend to be a little more vain. Yeah, you have to work out much more. you know, Or you just have the makeup people just cake it on really, really heavy. Once you see yourself, I remember Hugh Jackman playing Wolverine the first time around in the original X-Men, I think in, in the year 99 or 2000. He got way bigger by the time X2 United came around. He was kind of skinny. Yeah. So he put on that weight, and he hasn't let it go. Sure as hell hasn't. He's always swole now. Mm -hmm. He and Jake Gyllenhaal and all these guys, once you start working out, outside of Christian Bale, he doesn't like to work out. Well, Christian Bale just likes to to play different roles in differing years. So he goes from being a fat guy with diabetes to a skinny guy on the verge of death, and he just switches off roles every two years. That's That's how he does it. American Hustle, where he had the pot belly? That's right. Yeah. So I wish I could lose and gain weight that fast. Gain weight just because I can. I don't know. Something tells me. lose it just because I can. It's probably not the healthiest way to live life. <laughs> but, but who am I to say? You know, what do yeah. I know? I'm the guy that used to weigh 500 pounds up in here. So, yeah, I'm just hell, I'm just trying. I'm just be happy to. Who do you blame for that, Kevin? Hostess. Well, you put them out of business for a little while. <laughs> oh, because I stopped buying their products? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. There was a direct correlation there. <laughs> oh, my bad, little Debbie. <laughs> you know? I didn't mean to take away a little Debbie's college fund. Those That's, zebra cakes. That was my fault. <laughs> All uh, right. Thanks to Chris Hansen again for joining us on the show. Oh, uh, by the way, if you want to leave us a voicemail, you can do that. Uh, 949-478-1197. Uh, preferably not Andre. I mean, it's cool. You don't have to talk about soccer. You leave on. You can leave messages on there, but I'd like to mix it up a little bit. So, uh, some of you other listeners, be, feel free to chime in. Yeah. Nine four nine four seven eight eleven ninety seven. We will give away twenty dollars this week. Yep, we will. Uh, hopefully, uh, the hopefully Petros will come on on Friday. Efforting. Uh, yeah. Talk F-er-ting. talk some college football. Uh, he said he said he'd come on this week. Yeah. He Even did. though UCLA lost and looked pretty bad. 
And he was very high on them. It's just week one, like we said earlier. I mean, you I could say, well, the quarterback. I could say the quarterback got hurt, but it's not like they were doing much before he got hurt. So no. And then that fre- their freshman, they put in Dorius Thompson Robinson, who everybody loved. What was that fourth down? Well, call? he looked like a. Oh yeah, that was horrible. Was that um? Uh, was that some type of uh? I, I it seemed like Chip Kelly didn't get in the call that he thought he did. I. Well, Some you know, miscommunication there between the offensive coordinator, head coach, and the QB. You know, Chip Kelly would like during the offseason would go spend time with Bill Belichick in New England. Yeah, they're boys. So maybe he got that from the playbook from that one time that Belichick went for it on fourth down from like his own fifteen or something against the Colts on that Sunday night, and the Colts came back and won. Hey, maybe they almost that, they almost converted that. They though. were short by like Passed a half to a Kevin yard. Falk, right? By like less than half a yard, they were short by it. Yeah, uh, they, they had to review that play. Yeah, and they were winning. They were winning at that point. <laughs> And you win. The Colts basically just like the very next play through a touchdown or something. But it was very reminiscent of that. UCLA's defense was playing what they had. They shut them out the second half. Yeah, they were the, swarming to the football. Before that point, and you're only down by two at that point, I think is what it was. You punt the ball away, get better field position. All you need is a field goal to take the lead. And, uh, well, the, co- the, the kids were playing their asses off and the coach screwed it up. <laughs> I've heard that before. The kids are playing their tail off, and the coaches are screwing it up. Yeah, so we'll talk to P about uh, about UCLA's uh, performance, and it can get ugly this weekend in Norman, Oklahoma. Maybe text him on the secret text Elso line and say, hey, we need you on the FNA podcast on Friday. Offer some clarity We're on UCLA. We're trying to get him. He's a busy man. He is. Yeah. And maybe we can ask him about the over-under, because I think, or ask him about the, uh, the point spread. I think UCLA is like a four-touchdown dog or something going into Oklahoma next week. Yeah, so that'll be pretty. I like Chip Kelly's team to respond and maybe cover the spread. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> you would hope. So we'll talk about that uh, amongst other things. I think Petros is doing Michigan, Western Michigan this week, so we'll talk about Harbaugh oh, and, big some, house. and some other things. Yeah. That's right. So we'll talk to the, uh, to, the, to, uh, the, to the OP coming up later this week, hopefully on the show. Thanks again to Chris Hansen uh, to get in touch with us, by the way. At KFig1, you can find me there on Twitter. You can find Adam. At follow Adam A, also at FNA Show. The website where you can find us, Adam, is FNAPodcast.com. Mm-hmm. We have our Amazon link there. Click on that before you purchase things on Amazon. It doesn't cost you any more. You just go through our website to do so. Plus, RiptApparel.com, R-I-P-T. Apparel is where you can get the best shirts of all time. You mentioned Excalibur earlier. Mm-hmm. I have a mashup of Final Fantasy VII with the Sword in the Stone, where it's Cloud Strife picking up. The Busta Sword, I think it was called. Was he worthy enough? His his weapon from what well, he needed to beat Sephiroth. No. Sephiroth! I remember that song. At the end of Final Fantasy VII. So there you have it. They do have the coolest shirts ever. I've been wearing them for years. There you yes. go. We're yep. hoping to be back later this week. Until then, we love you guys. Thanks for listening. Call the Talk S hotline, and we will talk to you, hopefully with Petros on Friday. It's only after we've lost everything that we're free to do anything.